Ciao, ciao, everybody. Hello, and welcome. Hello. Oh, yeah, just I thought you were on, done. No, step on my intro. I, I like it. It makes me feel, you know, <laughs> like like you want to win me over three minutes in a slave off. That's nope. right. I'll tackle you okay. down. Yeah. Take, take your shirt off. Ah, oh, that's what I want. Okay. So, hello. <laughs> this is um, Zhao Chow Chow, and this is episode number... Seven. Is it? Siete. Wait. Is it six or seven? 
I always do Spanish. I think it's. Oh my seven. god, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we've almost doubled the spew by now. Holy mackerel. Now I'm like really concerned. No, Wait, I think no, you six. are right. Is it six? six? Yeah. Oh, you just checked, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I am Creep Creeperson, and this is Eric. Hello. Hello. And tonight we have a very special guest with us today. Oh, was, <laughs> that was, that was that's my yeah. that's my cue. Okay, I thought you were going to announce me. Sorry. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's uh, Chris from JalloScore.com. Ciao, ciao. How's everybody doing out there? Oh. We are so professional here. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. I, I, I thought you were going to come in with like a big chow chow, everybody. But we didn't work on that or anything like that. And I did the drum roll and then halfway through the drum roll kept going. And I'm like, oh, shit, we didn't have this conversation. This is this is going this is going somewhere fast. It was so, a good drum roll. Yeah, well, you know, it was fingers on the table. Oh, I obviously. Well, thanks for having me, you guys. I, oh, uh... do you do you know how excited we are that you're here? <laughs> We've been wanting to pick your brain about your website for some time, and once we started talking on Facebook and Twitter, I've been really wanting to just hit a bunch of questions at you. But oh, cool. I figured since we were going to have you on the show, I would wait. And so it's been like this, like really, it's almost like, is Daniel Bryan going to get a title shot kind of thing, you know, like just wanting to ask you these questions, but I keep stopping myself for some reason. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Good one, Greek. We keep giving him the push, but then we keep burying him. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some good old wrestling terms, right? Yeah. Yeah. No one at all. I know what I'm talking about. Upset about what happened last night on a show that has nothing to do with this so we won't worry about it too much didn't that happen in your neck of the woods almost i'm what? not sure what we're referring <laughs> to like, i have no idea what's going on um, totally blank there <laughs> it's okay where um are you located oh right in philly philly okay pretty close not horribly close but same state so we're all good um, we were just referring to the Royal Rumble in Pittsburgh last night. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. no, um, I still have a blank stare. <laughs> <laughs> because your picture on Skype fits it so well. It's oh, does like, it? Yeah, he was watching the Royal Rumble and then took that picture. It's like, <laughs> nah! But yeah, so good that stuff. That was the very first uh, webcam picture I ever took of myself, so I, I needed to make it as dramatic as possible and it's it stayed with me ever since it's probably like seven or eight years old oh that's awesome it's like your first driver's license picture exactly yeah that's good stuff man i'm sure our listeners enjoy it too what his picture it's lovely yeah <laughs> and eric has a very tight close-up of his face and back a while ago he had the super rapey picture of him that was like from like 1986 looking it was awesome and rapey. Rapey. With your that was one year old stash. in nineteen eighty six. I'm the youngie. I'm the younger one. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like you had like the whole Charles in charge background. You know, <laughs> like you weren't fucking around. Like it was like a I don't know, like a Peter Gabriel video. 
on your picture. Eh, it's all it's all good, man. Don't sweat it. <laughs> I'm not. It's too cold to sweat. <laughs> yeah. At any time, if you guys want to um, actually stop me, full stop, um, from rambling, we can do that. So, how was everyone's week? Let's do that. <laughs> let's let's just do that. <laughs> let's do that. Let's Did you get that? Stuff. That Linnea Quigley. Eric, how was your week? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know, keeping busy, busy week, um, staying warm. Uh, I don't know what else do you want me to say. How cold is it where you are at right now? Today, uh, I think we topped out at a high of negative six. Fuck. Bottomed out at about negative thirty-two, I think. I still had to snowblow, damn it. What is with this every time we get together? Did you have to go dig? I had to go dig myself out. (laughs) Chris, is it bad where you are? No, it's not that bad. Um, But it's it's cold. You know, it's... And it's been snowing and snowing and snowing and snowing. And, you know, I'm just... uh, I I really want to move to Florida or something. I can't take it anymore. I really can't. Well, for me, um, I I have socks on for the first time in like a month, and my feet are sweating, and I'm actually (laughs) considering taking them off. So um, I feel kind of bad. Got air conditioning going, and uh, no, I have my fan on you. My fan's on. My ceiling fan. You know, the doors and windows are open all day and night. Sure. You know. All right, so everyone Joke. hates me. Got it. Um, <laughs> was your week amazing, Chris? Uh, well, it's Monday. My week just got started, so I don't oh, know shit, what you right. guys are on. Eh, I meant last week, the one that we had. <laughs> Creeps on California time. <laughs> <laughs> Every day's Friday. Yep. Uh, it's more like uh, yeah, nothing um, out of the ordinary for me other than working and uh, chasing my kids around all weekend. Um and trying to um no i don't think i did anything important nothing especially nothing jala related i actually had uh the my dear killer um uh entry that i had published was actually written up uh about a week and a half ago because i was trying to backlog some some entries so that it would look like i was throwing things out at a, at a normal pace and now unfortunately i don't have any more backlog and uh i started reading a book and so i haven't watched the giallo in a while <laughs> so there's going to be about a three week uh, lag between the next time there's a score that comes out right on we'll we'll make sure to hit up the ones that are there um no yeah, that, um, that, well that was a good thing i did actually manage to to populate that site with about 15 or so before it launched so it wasn't just a you know, uh, it didn't launch with like one film, so I was at least happy about that part. So, well, um, let's let's jump into that real quick. I just want to give a little um, shout out on the new episode of Hysteria Continues. They totally pimped our show, and I was super geeked out. So, um, their show is awesome, and I've been listening to it for about a year now, and it's really really good especially i mean they focus on slashers mainly but they dip their respective uh dipsticks into the the jolly arenas every so often and whatnot and um so yeah the hysteria continues if you guys haven't heard it it's really 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 good and that was just awesome to hear him 
uh, him, uh, Justin and Eric were talking about the show today. I was just like, fuck! It was <laughs> pretty cool. That, that, that is really cool, especially since they don't really have anything to gain by pimping us out. No, it's just... It should be the other way around. I know, and the funny thing is, um, some people out there actually don't mind listening to us, which is shocking. <laughs> but again, we might come back to the whole thing where it might just because this is the only Jalo show. Yeah. So it's that's uh, the way we like it. We have a geographical monopoly on iTunes right now, so we're just we're dealing with it. But um, so I actually found Jalo score. Um, I don't know exactly when it was. It might have been over the summer. Uh, that sounds about right. might have been around that time. I was um, trying to uh, pirate uh, soundtracks from Jalo movies. And so I typed into Google, Jalo score. <laughs> <laughs> and um, your site popped up. And I was just like looking at it. I'm like, oh, this is kind of a cool site. And then I was kind of just going through stuff. And then I'm it's like, there's scores. And then it's like how the scores break down and all this other stuff. And I click on that and I'm like, holy mother of Mecca. It's just like, I'm such like super nerdy when it comes to creating stats for things that don't really exist. If that makes sense. Like I did my whole like Friday the 13th kind of shit like that. My Godzilla shit like that. And um, so when I came across that site, I just got extremely excited and I know, I think I messaged you about it, but I was doing a <clears throat> podcast and, um, one of the show, one of the shows I did was comparing, uh, the show Pretty Little Liars to, um, like a modern day jolly for teenagers kind of thing. And I remember that. Yeah, it was, and I did this, I tried to do the score as best I could to try to figure it out. I'm like, oh my god, this doesn't make any sense. The show's <laughs> totally, ah! But, um, so yeah, so I was just super geeked. And when we started doing this show, like, it was like, we have to get that on there, you know? So how did you come up with the idea to do that? Oh boy, well, that was a great intro. Um... <laughs> You know, it's it's really strange. I um, I've always been this kind of like growing up as a kid, as an only child with no brothers and sisters to bother. Um, I always had like a long-term project that I enjoyed working on, whatever it was, like uh, drawing something or filming something. And when I got older, uh, I got into web development, and I you know I took a I had a major a writing major in, in college, and I wanted to put all that stuff together. But I was a huge horror movie fan, and I'm like, well, I need something that has a little bit of a gimmick, um, because everybody's writing horror movie reviews, and you know, what could what could be different? You know, I I wanted to put something out that that would really kind of open itself up to, <clears throat> excuse me, a long-term project that you could continue to add things to, and um, I uh, I kind of came up with the idea for the site. Um, believe it or not, from this website called the Do-It-Yourself Jalo Generator, and if you, I don't, I don't know the exact um, URL, but if you, if you just Google that Do-It-Yourself Jalo Generator, you'll get the site. And basically, it's some guy took a whole bunch of buzzwords and wrote a little JavaScript, and every time you refresh the page, it combines 
colors and animal names and other kinds of phrases and comes up with a title and then um it comes up with a a, a brief like two sentence synopsis about the, the 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 imaginary film that it just randomly created <laughs> and I, I was looking at this thing and i'm going well it's funny that you know because i i love these films but there's such a an interesting kind of um double-edged sword or dichotomy or whatever you want to call it where um you can treat it as um you could treat it as a a formulaic and just a kind of puzzle piece snap together kind of thing um when you watch these films but you can also watch them and say well what makes this one a little different what makes what makes this one a little bit more interesting so um i came up with the idea of just kind of going through the films and writing down like the main ideas that just keep repeating themselves and uh, attaching scores and points to them to see um, as you go through and analyze these films, which ones kind of rise to the top and which ones necess don't necessarily you know, score highly. And then I, the discussion point really that makes it interesting is if you get a low scoring film in, in using this method, is it still a giallo? Is it still a good film? Um, and what, you know, how do the classic ones um, stand up to the, to the score? And so, you know, if you go to the site, it, it, at the very beginning, it says, you know, this is an experiment, which it really is. It, it's, it was never meant to be anything uh, important or too academic, but at the same time, it was, like you said, uh, Creep, it was a way to kind of add logic and, and um, almost math to something that didn't require logic or math at all <laughs> um, for, for no other reason than to just make something into something more interesting than it already is, I guess. Um, really, again, I needed a gimmick uh, in a way to kind of validate to myself, uh, justified of spending all this time building a website over, you know, the years and years and that that I've researched it and done it. And it, it did take me a long time. I, I had a, an Excel spreadsheet and I took it wherever I went. I printed it out and I had about seven or eight different films listed. And every time I noticed that it hit one of the uh, rules of the score I would check it off and I was always tweaking this list uh, I think originally it was a 250 point score and I said well that doesn't make any sense then people are look at it and not have any idea what the score means so I I got it down to 100 points and then um, I think I did about I, I, I watched about 20 or so films in the genre to see if the scores like kind of lined up and the ones that were the classic ones you know how how close to the top of the of the heap would they land and and so on so i'm rambling so um so, okay um well so you have it has three sections you have your staples your signatures and your standards um what according to you how did, like how was that the thing that broke it up um that's a good question i think that um if i could go back and I don't have the I don't have the archives of this handy but I think there were a lot of um, rules and regulations on the score that I either took out or changed from being uh, high point values to being lower point values um, the the staples <clears throat> for me are you know when I think of Giallo I think of Italian you know I think of Italy I think of a 
murder mystery, I think of a killer whose identity remains hidden until the very end. I think of somebody with black gloves uh, committing the murders from a point of view, um, you know, a, a first-person perspective point of view from the camera. Uh, and that was actually one of the, the, the point values was that, you know, the, the director em, empl uh, employs a point of view uh, technique with the killer. And it turns out that every single film is like that. So <laughs> there was no reason to award points for that one. I took it off because um, it almost never, you know, I think Argento was one of the first to, to try that in uh, like Cat of Nine Tales and everyone pretty much uses it. Or, you know, maybe Baba had done it in, in uh, Blood and Black Lace. I can't remember, but... Um, so those kind of those I think kind of it was in Blood and Black Lace. Yeah, it probably was. I mean, that movie really set the tone for a lot of stuff. Between that and um, the Girl Who Knew Too Much, which was his kind of original foray into the Jalo scene. Um, but I mean, the the big one for me too, and the one that really kind of screws up most of the Jalos I've been watching lately is this amateur detective thing. Um, and I haven't watched a lot of the Italian. Uh, police crime, po police procedurals, which has its own um, subgenre. Yeah. And I, I won't even try to pronounce it. Um, Polizia, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> something close, right? And and so I don't know, like when I'm watching some of these giallos, if if they are war are more leaning towards that, when it's a little bit more straightforward and not as kind of horror centric. Whereas the, the Giallo's kind of, I, th I think what makes a Giallo really good for me is that you've got this amateur detective who really didn't have anything to do with anything except he got caught up in whatever was going on with this murderer's plan. And now he's compelled to figure out the, you know, figure out the puzzle either, you know, in Deep Red where you have Mark Daly who just wants to solve the puzzle because it's, you know, it's an obsession or, or, you know, in, in Bird with Crystal Plumage, it's like, well, this guy's caught up in the middle and he can't leave the country, so he's got to try and figure it out anyway. So, um, but that that's really just one of many of the of the staples. I think that um, what is really interesting about the staples section is that I, I kind of got towards the, the bottom. If you go to the bottom section of staples, there's, there's two sections that really kind of a gray area at the end of each of these Jalos. You have to figure out, okay, why was the killer doing this? Was it, was it some sort of past psychological trauma or revenge that they're, you know, that they're trying to, to um, rectify in their minds? And, and if that's the case, I tend to, to give those Jalos more points because it's, you know, a Jalo is, is very emotional, very passionate, and that's kind of a, a passionate motivation really gives it more points. Then you have a lot of Jalos where the killer is really just trying to um, get money from one way or another, or um, he's being blackmailed or she's being blackmailed for something and they have to kill people in order to keep their name clear. Um, so that gets less points. Um, and the same thing for at the end of the, of the film, what happens to the killer? Uh, if they actually get arrested, and as far as we know, at the end of the film, they're carted off uh, to jail by the police. They, they don't, the, the film doesn't get any points for that because it's like a cop out. Um, I prefer that the killer either commits suicide or slips and falls or some other sort of accidental death. I mean, I'm thinking about um, I'm thinking about Martha in Deep Red. Um, 
you know that's that's a classic accidental death uh, ending, which is just like you know that happens and your you, your jaw hits the floor and you're like, wow, what, you know, what, I did not expect that at all. Um, but if 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 the killer is killed um, and he's killed on purpose, then they get some points for that. Um, you know, the police shoot him, um, or you know, one of the other characters uh, happens to do something you know on purpose to kill the killer. Um, that gets some points as well. There's some gray um, areas in the movie we're doing tonight, man. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and, um, and this particular movie is really a great um, film for Jalo score because uh, it scores in the 70s, um, but it's it's such a classic. It, it, it it's such a classic Jalo, and, and at the same time, it it really copies off so many other films that came before it. Um, it's still, but still, you know, remains to be an entertaining film for sure. Um, so, and then the other two sections, the standards and the signatures, I think the signatures are the most fun because it's almost like a drinking game. You know, you're looking for sure. You're, you're watching this movie and you're like, Oh, there's an airplane taking off here. It gets a point. Um, Oh, they're attending a funeral. Okay. There's a point. Um, at some point or another, there's a car or a motorcycle in a race. Um, you know, there's at least, um, one shot of a J and B bottle. Uh, there's a priest, you know, priests make a lot of appearances in these movies. Um, and then there's always that thing. And I don't know if Argento kind of was the first to do this, but it's like the character sees something, but really doesn't see exactly what happened. And then uses the whole film to just go over it in his mind over and over again and finally at the end it's like now i now i understand what i was looking at and it's it's, it's clear yeah. to me you know that that doesn't seem to be one of your favorite um devices creep as i can hear from your <laughs> no, it's just it's just like okay like my my argento beef is that he has a beautiful eye like his eyes great you know but it seems like you could take any one of the movies and switch out the characters and the right. same exact things happen. You know, it's like... And, and that's a really good point. And I think that one of the things that that we lose in the translation, besides it being uh, in a, an Italian um, culture, is that um, when these films were made, there, there was a book that was released a while back by a, a, a guy named Mikhail Coven. Um, I don't know if either of you guys have seen it. It's called La Dolce Morte. It's a, it's really the one and only like uh, academic um, books about uh, Giallo. And I have to admit that I've only read maybe the first couple of chapters because it is pretty heavy. Um, but he talks about how these films really weren't taken very seriously. Uh, even though like people like Argento and Sergio Martino, they really you could tell that um, that they were framing and, and paying a lot of attention to the cinematography and, and to the quality of, of the of the photography of these films, even though they were released for uh, kind of the working class um, cinema goer. Yeah. And these people would go to the to the movies and maybe they'd walk in in the middle of them and maybe they would. Um, be in conversations with other people maybe they would be drinking and so um you know we watch these films and i think we have such uh, a, a critical eye either for the the artistic value but we also look at them for 
continuity and we look at them for you know this just doesn't make any sense at all why did this person go here and how did we know that they you know there's there's a couple of questions i have about this particular movie that you know you're reviewing tonight um like you know uh, you know how did uh, jennifer get the keys to every you know room in the in the in the in the apartment um <laughs> it doesn't make any sense but um i think the point was that you know these movies were released and it, it, they just flooded um, the culture because it was what people were going to see. And yeah. every once in a while, there would be um, a killing on the screen, and people would, would really pay attention to what was going on. And uh, and then they would go back to kind of being in and out of whatever you know inebriation they were in, and and you know maybe they weren't paying attention. And so a lot of the you know it was a lot of eye candy and a lot of interesting camera angles and whatnot and that's some... what's really funny because like i really feel like if these movies were made today the way they were made then let's say they would be not anything you would see in a theater it would be something on at like 11 o'clock on cinemax right you know yeah, that would that would I mean, be the target area for it yeah exactly i think that today's audience is very cynical because of of how much you know how much cinema has come uh, before this point and you know things have been done to death and if somebody were to try to do a movie like this they'd either have to do it with a big budget and you know they'd have to do it with big stars and they'd have to make it serious um, or like you said it would be just something that would be silly and people wouldn't take you know seriously mm -hmm. uh, and and that's kind of why I like giallos because they, they serve as a time capsule and yeah. I watch them and I get kind of warm and fuzzy I don't know why because they're not really nice movies they're not about you know nice they don't have nice themes but it's like the music and the the style of the filmmaking and um you know the sets and the way that things were just de like decorated in that yeah. time it just it's it's all got this kind of shagadelic kind of austin powers thing going on and um i don't know it's it's and it's partly because you know when i watch them i, I i'm kind of taken back to when I was 11 and 12 and 13 and discovering horror movies and some of these movies were, you know, that those were the kind of movies I was watching. So it makes yeah. me feel like a kid again when I watch them. So like a dirty, sleazy, stinky old pillow. Right. <laughs> it's always yeah. very comfortable. <clears throat> For sure. Now, as far as the point values, like with the staples at 60 points max and the standards, it's 30 points max and signatures 10 points max. Why was that something that came up? Uh, cause I wanted it to be a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Next. I, I, I knew Good question, the question, asshole. I, you know, like 60% of the score is dedicated to the things that matter the most. And another 30% of the score is dedicated to the things that really kind of, you know, have emerged as trends. And then another 10 points for these little nuances that are added. And, you know, there are a few Jalos that have been scored on the site that have 11 or 12 or 13 signature points but of course they top out at 10 um, but if you look at the score breakdown for some of them you'll see that it's you know uh, 12 out of 10 or 13 out of 10 so um, I award as many points as I possibly can and what's really funny is when I'm doing a new score and I and I for most of the most of the scores I already know the film so when I, I get started doing the score I kind of check off the things I know for sure are gonna happen and then as I'm going through I'm like Oh man, you know, I think if we can get just one nude scene here, or if we can just get a chase scene or a comic relief character, 
we may have a film that you know gets to the top of the score sheet and i get excited and then uh the, the score doesn't actually i don't have it set up in the site to calculate as i check things off so i check things off and then i hit submit i've got it set up in this silly admin thing that i built so i don't have to manually um update these things um and then it totals the score and i'm like ah only an 86 ah, it stinks you know I, I feel sorry for you know uh, bay, bay of blood or whatever it was um that, that scored a 68 when you know it's it, it's just one of those things where um it, it gets exciting for me while i'm watching the the the, the um the film to, to think, okay, is it going to make it? And uh, is, is it going to be, uh, are we going to get our hundred pointer? You know, we I haven't had a hundred pointer yet um, out of 25 scores. And I've done, a, I, I've roughly scored about 10 more and I still don't have a hundred pointer yet. So, okay. Let me ask you a total hypothetical question here. You have a movie that gets a hundred and you're like, holy crap balls. I can't believe it. <laughs> then another movie comes up and it gets a hundred will you at that point lift the max rule to see which one is more jolly than the other mm, that's a that, i don't know that that's a hypothetical question um <laughs> that's a good question uh, i don't know i think what it would end up happening is i would you know if they scored if both sc- films scored 100 then that pretty much means that the staples and the standards are all uh are all checked off and so it really comes down to how many signature points did they get? <clears throat> and I, off the top of my head, I don't, I, I can't uh, quickly count how many signature items there are. Um, but maybe that's what I would do. You know, uh, you know, it would be like 102 points or 103 points would probably be what it would happen. Um, but it, it's, it's kind of, it, it's kind of hard for that to happen. Um, simply because if you look at some of the things in the standard section. Um, you don't often see one film that has all of them. Um, I think Deep Red had almost all of them, except for the fact that Goblin um, did the music instead of Morricone or Nicolai. Um, and I picked those two guys because they are so prolific with their music uh, yeah. with these films that they had to get their own section in, in points. Um, and Goblin really, um, you know, everyone will... Uh, I think unanimously agree that Goblin made uh, Deep Red as as interesting and as great as a film as it is. Um, and if Morricone had done it, it wouldn't have been the same film. But still, yeah. the film had to, had to lose three points for that. So, Tenebrae to you? Oh yeah, for for sure. The Tenebrae theme will get stuck in your head for days. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> okay, well here's something that could happen when you have a and or with Morricone and Nikolai. There you it, go. It, if it if it comes down to it, suggestion from this peanut gallery would be to give six points instead of three if they both were on it. But then, right. but then we're 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 talking crazy stuff here. And then if the if the title has an animal and a number and a death in it, right? <laughs> yeah, and and you know I started going down that path and I started to get a headache. Um, when I when I thought about those things, like Morricone wrote the score, Nikolai conducted the score. Yeah. Um, and then you know, oh, does so the killer not only does the killer wear black gloves, but he also wears a fedora and he wears a, a trench coat, and point values for each of those pieces of clothing. 
Um, or um, what was the other one? Um, there's uh, if the if the director is Italian, but the location was a combination of a production of Italian and Spanish. You know, oh. uh, I know I know a lot of these films are are filmed in uh, in Spain, or there's a or there's a co-production. Some of the crew are, are Spanish, so um, yeah, it starts yeah. to get. Uh, the, there's a guy who had a blog. I don't know if he still updates it or maintains it. It's called Jalo Fever, and he helped me with some of the criteria. But it, it really did get into, um, you know, is it a nude scene? Is there a breast exposed? Is there um, full frontal? Is there yeah. actual intercourse being shown? You know, <laughs> and uh, so I, I kind of had to dumb it down a little bit. And um, you know, one of the other things that happened with this site is I got it, I got it started, and then it stopped, and I got it started, and it stopped, and I kept coming back to it because it really felt like a good idea, and I wanted to just get it out there. And one of the things I wanted to do was, um, I wanted to do some critical analysis of these films, um, and then I realized that that was going to take me forever to write you know five or six or seven pages worth of critical analysis for each one of these films so i said this is ridiculous i'm going to score them i'm going to write a little bit of commentary about why the score is what it is and how that relates to whether it's a good film or not and then be done with it and what's happened now i'm really the only one who can tell this because there's no dates on the postings but the first 10 or so scores that came out the 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 critique or the analysis of the score is pretty short and now the ones that i'm putting out in the last month or two months or so have been a little bit longer so deep red is pretty long and um my dear killer is a little bit longer and so I'm, i guess i'm coming uh i'm coming to the point where i'm actually uh, adding some of that critical analysis uh you know by by you know just by doing it by doing the score that way well i didn't even know when i first went to your site that there was that you could click on the score page and go to get more info on the movies. So yeah, yeah, when it, I finally figured not, that out, I was like, holy shit, there's more. And I was all excited. <laughs> it's not that intuitive, but one of the things I did do was I used to have the, the grid of all of the scores at the top. And then I realized that people don't normally scroll down when they you know, after they get the meat and potatoes of what they're looking for. So I, I switched it within the last month or so and put all of my score analysis writing first and then the score breakdown at the bottom just to see if people would, would, would stay a little bit longer on the pages and read, you know, some of the things I was writing. So do you have your analytics set up so you could take a look at all that? I do. Is it working and, um, better now? I don't know. Um, I need, I need more data. I think with, uh, I think with the the popularity that that may come from you guys and getting a little bit more promotion, uh, I may have some data that actually. For the most part, it's just. Uh, okay. Eric's taking a piss. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> serious? Is that, that Jay and No, I'm actually. <clears throat> this is really stupid. Um, I might even sound farther away. Um, I got all excited and I drank all my coffee because I was getting excited having the conversation and um, I, I'm going to need to have a full cup to be able to wash down my J&B tonight. So um, I just wanted to get get my cup on, you know? <laughs> so, sorry. Um, Eric, do you have any um, qu- 
questions, because I am noticing that I could really get more nerdy. So before <laughs> this conversation gets any nerdier, I wanted to know if you had any questions for him. Well, I think going to the site, you've got uh, a lot of the questions I had, actually. You've got a really nice layout for your frequently asked questions on there. So uh, kind of explaining the background, where everything came from, where this score criteria comes from. That was one of the things I had a hard time, I guess, reconciling with were the, were the standards. Because I can, get the, I can get the other two categories pretty easily. But uh, I was just wondering, how because I can see why some weighted 10 points over 5 points. Uh, but with the standards, how did, how did you break that down between 4, 3, and 2? Is that something that you see more often, or is it just... I, I noticed you said it's kind of been fluid in the past, or it's it's kind of been arbitrary as well. It, it's um, a little bit of, of all of the same answers, with the top one being that I needed to get to 30 points. Okay. <laughs> uh, and when I looked at these, I said, well, you know, having a body count of at least 3 is probably more points than um, this mistaken identity idea. So I, I sure. did spend a, I did spend a little time with these, but I um, I didn't want any of them to be more than four points because five points was really like the lowest point value for the uh, for the staples section. Sure. So somewhere between four and two was what these uh, point values were going to be, and then for the bottom section, obviously everything was just going to be one point. So. Um, okay. That's that's kind of how I came up with it, but I really I wanted to get to 30 so that we'd have you know uh, 90 points uh, without the signatures, and um, and then looking at each one, some of them were higher than the others. So, so that, that's probably why you get more excited for the nude scenes in a different way than Creep gets excited for them. <laughs> Once you see one, then you get three points. Get the three points exactly. I get more excited for the fact that there's more than one killer or an accomplice than a nude scene, which is ridiculous. <laughs> That's a whole four points. Oh my exactly. gosh, I have so many questions about this movie we're doing tonight. Should we dig into uh, it? Um, let me see if I... I did have another question here. Um, where can I just... Well, okay, this seems like an undertaking, and you said it took you some time to do it. Like... I'm going to assume this was something that was kind of like an idea running around in your head for maybe a year or two, maybe more, before you started actually figuring out a way to do it, or am I completely off on that? No, you know, it's funny. I remember sitting in a meeting at, at my one of my old jobs and being very bored <laughs> and starting to write down the criteria. Um, I can I can pinpoint um, that meeting in my in, 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 if I go back in my head I can remember being there, and um, that was probably in uh, 2006 when I started writing the criteria. So I um, I built the site and the site and the way that the site works and the way that the the films are laid out in the the, the score view and the way that the search works and that sort of thing that was all built qu quite a while ago. Um, and then it sat for a while and then I went through, uh, I don't know, two or three different iterations of, um, changing the way that the criteria worked and changing the way that the score worked. And then realizing that I really couldn't launch this site without filling it up with content first. So I think once I had really nailed down this criteria, which I think probably took about three years and 
not that I worked on it for three years straight, but over over the course of a three-year period, I, I came back to it and then left it because I just got sick of watching Jalos and I had other things happening. I got married and, you know, life happened. And then I kept coming back to, oh, and I played, I played a ridiculously too much uh, World of Warcraft for a while. So <laughs> that, that totally stole like three or four years of my life. Um, <laughs> And so, it, it, but but I, I'm actually happier doing this website than playing that game for because it's just a little bit more rewarding. Um, but uh, so when I finally um, got enough content into the site, uh, I felt as if it was you know when when I added films to the site, I felt it was close to being released. And like I said, I was going to start writing, um, you know, long drawn out critical analysis of these films. And then I said, this is never going to go. It's going to take me you know, another couple of years to, to do this. So um, with the schedule that I had, so I just kind of clipped some of the sections out. There was, it, it was one of those things where I originally, I thought this, the site was going to be like the hub for all things Jalo, like news and, you know, which DVDs are going to be released soon or, you know, uh, which studio has acquired which rights and, you know, um, what are some other resources? Where can you find this and find that? And there's enough of that information out there now. So I kind of took all of that extra stuff out and just focused on the score. And then I think it was 2012 that I actually launched the site um, and took a break from it for a few months and then came back to it and added a few more films and then took another break. And, and then um, actually, I think it was creep um, <laughs> mention on Twitter and, and a couple of mentions on the podcast saying, hey, uh, you haven't updated your site in ages. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was probably a little ruder than that, but yeah. No, it's it's fine. I somebody needed to kick my ass and, and get me get that me back into our guy. doing this. Yeah, exactly. What, dude, what's going on with you? You you put this site out, and you know this your site is only as good as your last update. So, um, yeah. So no, that was good. It was it was great that um, you know because I, I really did not expect you know I fully acknowledged the fact that going into building this there was going to be like ten people interested in it. Um, and I didn't care because it was something that, you know, it gave me pleasure to just write these things and, and have something that I could do as an activity than just sitting and watching movies. Um, but, uh, you know, eventually it was like, okay, well, I can take a five or six month break from this. No one's going to complain because my Google Analytics say that since it was launched, I've got 500 people that have been to it in over 16 months. So. Um, clearly, it's not, you know, the, the hub of internet traffic, and uh, no one's going to complain. And lo and behold, we had a complaint. And so uh, <laughs> I got back on the horse and, and put a few more jallos in there. And, and I'm, I'm actually, uh, you know, right now, I'm, I have a love-hate relationship with these films, and I go through phases where I just don't want to watch them anymore. And right now, I'm, I'm in a phase where I'm really uh, enjoying watching them. So hopefully that'll... We'll, we'll stick around for a little while. That, that's kind of a genius idea, Creep. We should have just busted out a bunch of these and we could be on vacation right now. <sighs> <sighs> right? 10 or 15 episodes and then we could just kick back and relax. Because it's not like we have any feedback coming in that we have to read every week. <laughs> that's <laughs> so right. That's definitely how we should have done it. <clears throat> so the site went live exactly when? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I think... I, I want to say somewhere around uh, end of the summer of 2012, maybe like August, September. Uh, if I go back and I can go back in Facebook and look at one of the 
messages I sent to every friend in my entire friends list saying, hey, check out my new site. <laughs> uh, but I don't know if I can even find that it was a while ago. But I think, yeah, I think we're talking about... Um, <clears throat> I think we're talking about 2012. Well, it is a super awesome site, and it's super fun. And it's honestly, like, <clears throat> for the nerds out there, it's um, very inspiring to try to figure out other things you can do something like this with. Um, because this is way better than my Godzilla monster sheet that I had. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it, guys, and I... Uh, I, I... <clears throat> good to have good feedback and it, it makes me um want to keep uh throwing more stuff onto the site so and you know and the funniest uh, and more most ironic part of this was that i had toyed with the idea of having some sort of a uh complimentary podcast to go along with this thing um and then you guys started yours and i'm like okay um so they beat me to the punch here but i don't even know that i want to do a, a different podcast because uh you know how many people do you need talking about these films you know you guys kind of do it well and you well kind of that's how i like that 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 makes us happy you've got you've got a following to a certain extent you've got you've got a little bit of momentum and if i were to do one it would be like you know uh, i'd probably do something different where i just quickly analyze the film and then i'm like well you know why does anyone need to listen to that so um, I'm still toying with it, but I, I don't know what, you know, I, when you, when you, once you establish something, I think you start to look at, well, what am I going to do to expand this? What am I going to do to make it uh, bigger than it is already? And that was kind of one of the things I thought about, but, um, you know, it, it's, I, I really don't have time. <laughs> for well, <something> like <laughs> I have apparently nothing but time and I'm all about getting expanded. So if you have any ideas, you can always throw them this way, and we would be stoked. But, um, <clears throat> but for so, anyone else out there, don't even think about starting up a podcast, or we'll drown you in a bathtub. <laughs> and we'll put water in it, too. Well, you yeah. got to be specific. I said drown you in a bathtub. Well, it could have been anything. It could have been Jello. you know? You can still drown in Jello. I know. That's what I'm saying. You gotta be. You have to say that you're putting water in the bathtub. Okay, I think if Mizar Harrington drowned in a bathtub of Jello, it would have been a completely different movie. Oh my god! And it almost was, man. Her <laughs> fun little wrestling scene, which we'll talk about in a second. But I want to give an update on the book um, before I forget. Um, I guess they hit their um, first their uh, ten thousand dollar thing, and so they announced that. Um, Robert Kerman from Eaten Alive and Cannibal Holocaust um, is going is announced as being in the film, and now they also have um, Fabio Frizi, who did the score for the Beyond and Zombie Two, um, playing with the Goblin guys um, with the scores. So um, they said wow. more stuff's coming, and we will know um, as we go. And it was funny because. <clears throat> the one day I fucking turned my Skype off so I could write and just try to get a bunch of shit done. Um, Colin was trying to get a hold of me, like to give me the scoop, because he said he would give us the scoop, and I'm like, la, 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 la. and then when I finally turn on Skype, it's like, Brr! it's like, dude, where the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> so um, thank you for uh, trying to make that happen, um, Colin. 
but uh, yeah, so that's awesome. So yeah, that's, that's that's great news. I think uh, Fabio Frizzi is gonna really amp up that. I always I used to get those composers mixed up all the time anyway, so it's cool that they're all working together now. Well, I'm just excited that I didn't totally trip on his name. So I almost called <laughs> I him Fabio. <clears throat> no, I, I don't know what it is. I just get dyslexic when I'm reading Italian names for some reason. So it's just it's something I, so, I've been working on for a long time. So with that in mind, do you want to run down the cast of our film today, Creep? Really? You want me to do that right now? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just just yeah. putting you on the spot. Yeah, we're not going to play. I mean, I don't remember what episode it was, but I was like, <laughs> and it was just like, and I'm like, Eric, is that right? And he's like, no, this is how it is. But, um, <laughs> well, Eric knows everything <clears throat> about everything. So, you know what we always forget to do? We forget to say, so here is the trailer for the movie we're going to watch. Or I say I need to say that, and then we laugh about something, and then I don't say it, and then we go right into it. <laughs> so, for editing purposes, here, <clears throat> here, here's the trailer for tonight's feature, The Case of the Bloody Iris, also known as... Um, shit, let me see if I can remember this. What part. are those strange drops on Jennifer's body? <laughs> is it strange drops or strange drops of blood? It might be strange drops of blood. I don't know. I just wanted to say it in a really obnoxious voice. Yeah, it's an it's an obnoxious title, but I like it. So um, here's <laughs> the trailer, and see, we're talking right now. We fucking did it again. So Sorry, the trailer will start right today. No, Commissioner, you're mistaken. I'm positive he couldn't have been the murderer. I'm sorry, but the sight of blood makes me ill. Some maniacs seem to be perfectly normal men. It happens a lot. Who's to say Andrea Barto isn't a maniac? Are you saying, Commissioner, that I might be a suspect? That I could go crazy and murder a girl like that? These murders are committed for no reason at all. She belongs to me. No one's gonna have her except me. Jennifer belongs to me. Ah! Jennifer! What is it? 
And we're right. back. That was an awesome trailer. That was really good. You know, um, I don't know if you uh, recall this, but on the last episode, <clears throat> we had, or at least I had, major editing problems trying to put that together. That was a fucking nightmare. I don't know what happened, but I had music. I had the clips from the movie. I had all this shit. And then instead of making little clips, I made one long clip that I could cut up. And as soon as I started doing that and placing it, it was moving it. Like the cut would be the same length, but then it would be a different part of the movie. If that makes sense. And then when I would move it through the timeline, like pick it up and drag it it would drag into a different part of the movie. And then it started dragging other stuff, and that was probably me being an idiot. But then there was a bunch of parts where, like, I'm like, okay, and so here is, uh, here's Chris, or something. And then it would, like, go, and, and then Chris would just start talking. (laughs) It was, it was a... It was a fucking nightmare. So, um, thank you. Like you need to go to some community ed classes. I just need but... to not be asleep or drunk when I'm editing. Okay. I think is the <laughs> the lesson learned. Yeah, I was. I'm always <clears throat> surprised at how how quickly you get these episodes up after we're done doing them. I'm always wondering, didn't you just drink like a whole bottle of J and B, and about a pot of coffee? Yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of how it works. It, it, the worst thing about uh, being drunk is being full of caffeine, and you can't even pass out. It's just right. you gotta just make it happen. So um, <clears throat> tonight we're doing some bloody iris. Uh, we have the king and queen of the jolly in it, which is uh, George and Edwige. So um, that makes me super happy. Um, and what did this get on the Jalo score? Funny you should ask. <laughs> uh, and I don't even have the page up. Isn't that funny? I uh, do. I do. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like we've got 77 for the Jalo score on this yeah, one. 77, that's right. Do you have IMDb uh, open too? I do. Oh, you fucking awesome motherfucker. What's the IMDb rating on it? IMDb rating, everyone, is 6.7 out of 10 from 912 users. Ooh, that's more than four. That's awesome. Four. Wait, four users or four yeah. stars? No, that's 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 a considerable amount of human beings. Oh, okay, so you're comparing this to one of your movies then? You're Ooh. being kind of a dick, but no. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I wasn't doing that at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, buddy. You know, come back 30 half years later and see how many goddamn stars it has. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, but Eric, uh, a couple weeks ago you thought one movie got too many stars and then another week you thought one didn't get enough on IMDb. How do you feel this one fared on IMDb? I think this one has too many stars. <gasps> that was a just gasp. Gonna... Bite your tongue, sir. <laughs> I'm not going to play around. Uh, and Chris, what do you think? Um, I, I, I think it's a fair score. Um, I think it's a respectable one. And, um, you know, we, if we're talking about the Jalo score score, um, 77 is, I think, is pretty much tells the story of 
hey, this is a film that pretty much copies off all the other Jalos, but it's still fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun to watch. Um, it's not as serious as some of the more classic Jalos are. Um, if you were to compare it to, say, um, the strange vice of Mrs. Ward, or if you were to compare it to what have you done to Solange, obviously this is a more uh, titillating and, and fun to watch film. Um, so it, even though it's in in the mid seventies, um, I definitely recommend it as a as a giallo um, for people who are trying to get into the uh, of the genre and are looking for something different than you know the normal. Um, the normal cast and crew that you know normally come along with Jallo and and uh, you know the Argentos and the Fulcis and the Martinos. So, I think the interesting thing about the score is that you're right because it is such a uh, imitation of so many other great Jallos, and you can see that in how it reaches the maximum amount of points in the signatures. It almost gets that in the standards as well. So it has a lot in it, and the reason why it's uh, under 80 is because it misses. It looks like you had two big staples um they're of course wearing the tan gloves in this one and then uh not sure what the other one might be but yeah it's it's low on the staples but it's it's got so much more in the standards and the signatures that it really makes up for it and it really uh, puts it high up there as far as a very standard giallo film yeah it, it it's uh it doesn't have an amateur detective it's it's only the police right. that are doing all of the crime solving and well, that's director... the thing that's kind of weird, too, because, like, <clears throat> we're going to talk about it in a little bit here, but when, um, is it Andrea or Andre? How, how do they pronounce that for George Hilton's character? I I could have sworn they were saying <clears throat> Andrea. Andrea. Andrea, okay. Yeah, I think you would assume is. when he, there's a part where he takes off and he's doing his own thing. And that would be the part where he would have to be forced to be the amateur detective, and they just choose to not mess with it. Because he is kind of following them around, but he's not doing anything, and we don't ever see him doing anything. You know what I'm saying? So it's oh, like, yeah. they, they miss that. You know, it kind of... I was like, oh man, what's he doing right now? But yeah. um, but I understand. Yeah, like, you, like you said, we'll probably get into that, but that's oh, one of yeah, the reasons why I, why I think it... Um, there's a lot of things that I'll probably talk about later on that, why it doesn't quite hit that near seven star mark on IMDb for me. And you were, uh, Chris, about to say something about the director. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't really know too much about, um, Gil, Giliano Carnameo, <laughs> um, who's also known as, uh, what's his, what's his, uh, this I'm was an ascot, ascot guy. Now, let me ask yeah. you something on the Anthony last ascot. movie we did on, um, black belly of the tarantula. Did there, was there a title card for Anthony Ascot on that too? You know what? I'd have to go back and look. I don't know. You're putting me on the spot here. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I, I was going to check all that out beforehand. Cause when I was <laughs> watching it again, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I think I've seen that name before, but I recall the directors being different on IMDb and shit like that. And so I was wondering if that's like an Alan Smithy kind of thing in the wonderful world of the, the yummies. But, um, and I could totally be talking on my ass right now. So I will it give doesn't, it. doesn't show up on black belly as, uh, him having some sort of a, uh, English name, but I remember seeing that in a couple of Fulci movies too, where Fulci was called somebody else. So, um, 
you know, it just kind of crops up sometimes or, or maybe it was zombie Holocaust or something crazy like that where they just wanted the they didn't want the, the, the film to seem to be too foreign, I guess, for the drive in people of the of the 80s or whatever, yeah. whenever that was coming out. But uh, yeah, at any rate, I don't know that, you know, one of the things that I give points for is that the the director has done something else that would be considered a giallo. Um, and so we don't have anything else by this particular director, uh, so they lose points for that. Very nice. And we will jump into that um, a little bit more, too, when we get into the production side of things. And now what we're going to do, now that I'm all full of caffeine and ready to go, we are going to walk you through this film like a bunch of douchebags would do. Or at least I'm going to, and they're going to laugh at me. <clears throat> so the movie Italy. opens up, okay, in in a really busy Italy kind of thing. And some super hot chick walks up and puts money in a phone and makes a phone call. And some chick answers and says, yeah, I'm all alone. You should come up right now. Her voice sounds much sexier than that. And the girl's like, okay. And then she goes, and someone's following her in an automobile. And she walks into the hotel, and, or not the hotel, but the apartment. And this is one of the coolest scenes. There's a lot of scenes in this movie that I get really geeky about. But this whole deal with the elevator. She gets in the elevator, a bunch of people get in the elevator. And we're shown shots of like feet and shoulders and profiles of all these people. So you're thinking like, oh shit, I need to be all fucking Jessica Fletcher right now and start paying attention to all these motherfuckers. Because something's gonna happen right now. Okay, and, and you don't then, see any faces. Well, you see so, it, like a side of I mean, a girl's face, and yeah, yeah, but but you don't. It's not like hello, I'm this guy on the elevator, you know. Yeah, and you know the it hits a floor, some people get on, some people get off, it goes up again, all this shit, and then all of a sudden it's just a dude and a chick in an elevator alone, and his tan gloves on, his tan gloves, and he freaking face palms her with some chloroformy rag and takes out a very shiny oddly shaped knife and starts going to town on her and then what gets was that, a, like a letter opener or something that if Count? you're yeah i mean if you're lex luther that's your fucking <laughs> letter opener but like that's a that was a crazy looking little deal yeah. right there so he gets off and pushes the top floor and she's dying in the goddamn fucking thing. And when the elevator goes up, the doors open, and we got the girl from Torso, and her name in this movie is Mirza Mizar. 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 Yeah. She's standing Powerful. there. Yeah, Mizar the Powerful. And then some fucking creepy old lady standing there, and then some creepy old guy walks up, and um, they see the body. And they're all screaming and freaking out a little bit. And then she's like, yeah, uh, my name is Mizar. I have an audition or a rehearsal I got to go to. And then when you find out what she does, like, you're like, you had to rehearse for that? Seriously? But so she takes off. And everyone downstairs is like, send down the fucking elevator. And then the old man's like, hello, we got a fucking dead body up here. There's been a murder. <laughs> and uh, He doesn't really say that, people. Which part? We got a fucking dead body yeah, you know, yeah, I'm I'm paraphrasing. Oh, okay. Just so Sorry. you guys know, when I quote people, I'm paraphrasing. Um, so <laughs> disclaimers. <laughs> disclaimers. I'm like the fucking uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, 
Uh, forget it. The Fahrenheit 9-11 guy. Oh, Michael Moore. Michael Moore. I, I'm the Michael Moore of Jalo podcasts. <laughs> I, when I quote people, it's completely not accurate. So um, moving right along. So then um, <clears throat> the next thing we are doing, we're in this like uh, bitchin' little photo studio. And you get points for this, right? When you have something to do with this kind of crap. Yeah, oh yeah. Like fashion and, we, and photography yep. and stuff. In fact, oh. I think um, you get photography points and you get fashion model points separately too because there's a there's lots of there's a lot of jalos where you've got a photographer in a dark room who's dealing with um you know trying to expose the film to figure out maybe if they took a picture of the murder happening um but then you know of course you've got your fashion models and so if you put them together you know you've got to bang you know seven or eight points right out of there right out of the gate and there's a couple things I'd like to bang right out of the gate in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> so Is that a weird photographer? <laughs> yeah, okay, so this photographer guy, I, I don't know, I can't remember what his name is in the movie, but he is, like, a total weird anomaly. Like, you would assume he's, like, um, your typical, like, gay photographer, fashion guy kind of thing. But then, like, as soon as, like, a girl starts talking to him and stuff, it's like, oh, dear, honey, give it to me, and the whole thing. He was just amazing. Like, one of the funnest characters in one of these movies. And he dresses amazingly later, and I'm just going to bring it up now in case I forget. He has this bitchin' coat. One of the things I love about these movies is the fashion, but more importantly, coats. And I'm telling you, there are some fucking coats in this movie. Just so you fabulous. guys know. Fabulous. fabulous. Well, the photographer guy says, <clears throat> he's like, here you go. What do you think about her? She's black, but not too black. It's like some <laughs> of the things that people say in these movies like are just so not okay now. And I know that it was in the 70s and it was in Italy, but it's just like, it was a trip. So anyway. Jarring. Yeah. yeah, I was like, whoa! And so yeah. this guy, George Hilton, whose name is Andrea... Okay, he is trying to find a model for some ads for his apartment buildings. Is that why he's there? Yeah, it sounds like he wants to sort of get better publicity for this apartment building that he owns that uh, a woman has already been killed in. And uh, he thinks the best way to do it is to get a pretty girl in it. Yeah, that is a fucking plan with no flaw in it whatsoever. (laughs) So... And, so, and is it just a coincidence that the models that are supposed to be helping him advertise his apartments are living there, or is was that part of the plan? Like, hey, come see. I think you know, that our was model part of in the action. Plan. Yeah, okay. I think it was like come live here for free in exchange for a bunch of raunchy pictures of you. Yeah. Now here's another question for the Jalo score. I guess it doesn't matter because there's other stuff later but so he he runs into two super hot chicks marilyn and jennifer who are getting their pictures taken next to a motorcycle and they're topless but they have shirts painted on their skin does that count as nudity (laughs) it does in my book (laughs) (laughs) it depends on who the who's who's posing for the body paint i mean it's it's edwidge so um, but luckily she appears nude again later so it doesn't I enjoyed matter. how they yeah I enjoyed how they said that the even though it was painted on he was saying that the neckline was too low 
<laughs> and this is one of those movies where I wish I watched it with the subtitles on with the dub. Because I'm sure there's just some shit in here that just probably was not said. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, so Jennifer, who's Edwidge, she's looking at um, George Hilton, who is Andrea, and not paying attention to the little squirmy photographer guy, and he starts yelling at her. And he's like, yeah, these girls are fine, but you need Mazar. She's amazing. da 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 and so he goes to see Mazar do her show or whatever. And her show is in the seriously one of the coolest looking places I have ever seen. It looks like they could have put the Cantina Band from Mos Eisley in there as well. And it would have been fine. Like, <laughs> this place was just fucking cool as shit. Like, oh, man. Um, and she comes out and she just starts... She's in some, like, frilly little thing, and she's like, Okay, guys, um, if any of you could last three minutes with me, I'll be your slave. And da-da-da-da-da, and just, like, you. And she has a flashlight, and she's pointing at people. And the first guy she points at you had on this amazing blazer. It was, like, green and yellow paisley on acid. It was, oh, dude, the fashion in this movie is very, very exciting for me. I like it. Coming from the guy in socks and a hoodie. So... <laughs> <clears throat> nothing else yeah nothing else and so this guy's like i'm gonna fucking kick your ass bitch and so he gets up doesn't really say that they start wrestling and it was one of the it, it almost looked like the orton cena match last night no i'm just kidding okay we're not going to talk about that it was a really sloppy wrestling job and he just kept trying to like lick her neck or something and then she would like fucking throw him around or something and all this shit and it's like getting super intense and then she puts him in a and a foot neck chokehold, which didn't make any sense at all. Is, but it's, is that the scientific name for that move? <laughs> it might be called the fucking the hangnail jugular choke. I don't know. I would have <laughs> put that bitch in a crippler crossface. But, of course, um, her shirt manages to fall off magically. Well, I mean, he almost kind of touched it, so of course yeah. it flies right off. But disintegrates. Uh, yeah, you know, that's kind of how it goes. So. Um, that was pretty awesome. And then um, he's like, I'm going to fucking kill that bitch because he couldn't get her in three minutes. And superstar George Hilton grabs him by his arm. He's like, hey, buddy, you had your turn and there's no overtime. And so Mizar's like, ooh, that guy's nice. And then she runs in the way and he's like talking to a bartender. I need to make a date with your employee person here. And then what's strange here is that that's kind of all we see of that. You know what I'm saying? And there's yeah. a couple times as the movie goes where it's he's like, oh, I've never seen her before. And then, oh, yeah, I had dinner with her. You know? And it's just this whole, like, kind of gray area in the film right there. So um, do you guys have anything you want to throw in on any of this? Because I'm just a train out of control right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the most important thing for me that needs to be discussed before you go any further is is this this main theme this opening theme by bruno nicoli it's it's got to be my favorite one of all the giallo films i've ever seen i don't know why it's not particularly any different or 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 super interesting but it just it really gets stuck in my head and you know that the the very beginning where it's just kind of the bass intro and then 
she's walking down the street mm -hmm. and then the, the theme kicks in it's just and they used it um throughout the movie it, it's almost yeah. it's, it's almost in every scene that requires music and there's there's a few scenes in the movie where i was surprised that there was absolutely no music whatsoever especially some of the tenser scenes but yeah um i love i love that uh, that one song and there was actually some scenes where I'm like, this song shouldn't be playing right now. Right. You know, there were some scenes that like are super tense and it's like, doom, 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 doom. Yeah, right. And there's like, a scene in the car graveyard where she decides that she's oh, going to totally. run because the car falls on her head or almost falls on her head. And then they start up that song and you're like, what? Wait a minute. What's going well, there's on? like on one of the cuts of the songs, there's like this little like kind of suspenseful part at the end of it. Right. It's like dun 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 kind of thing, but it's like exactly. you have to go through that whole like fun sexy bit to get to the scary part. But yeah, right. for sure, man. Isn't that just like real sex though? <clears throat> well, not the way I do it. <laughs> Mine starts off scary and it gets oh. sexier as it goes, but that's just me. <laughs> that's what happens when you hit the sheets with this guy. All right. <laughs> Boy. So, um <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, Did we talk about the the flashback or the, her uh, confrontation with her ex husband, Adam? We haven't got there yet. Oh, I think it's next. Yeah, I think so. I put this too. train back on the Did, track. Um, wait, she didn't go home yet, did she? Yeah, I think in between the the close. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We're good. We're good. Oh, and I also wanted to mention: does doesn't the do you guys think that the club owner looks like Peter Laurie? Yeah, now that you said that, it's his eyes, dude. <laughs> I'm like, I, I've seen this guy before, but it's certainly not him. So, uh, but that just kind of stood out. <clears throat> yeah, and he um, stands out a little bit more a little bit later. Because at first, I didn't even really notice him until they go back. But um, so the next bit is um, they're uh, taking pictures or the awesome little photographer guys taking pictures of uh jennifer on this dirty fucking mattress or something and he's and it doesn't have sheets on it or nothing it's just like here's a mattress lay on it dude and he's like same just the fucking craziest shit to her like oh yeah give it to me oh yeah something like that uh, and then um she sees eyes and um she sees adam coming in was that adam who came in yeah okay so she sees adam come in and she just kind of fucking loses it. And um, the photographer guy turns the light at her. And she knocks the lamp over. And he's like, oh my gosh. And then they do this weird camera thing where they're like, okay, we're putting the camera an inch away from this dude. It kind of looks like your guys' Skype pictures. And it's like, um, oh, she must be crazy. This bitch is nuts. And he starts punching <laughs> himself in the head all fucking crazy and shit. And like right there, that was when I'm like, oh, this movie's a little bit different. Like, it, it just was, like, weird for a moment there. And I was like, oh, okay. It had, like, that whole, like, 70s kind of psychedelic kind of thing. And that's going to get worse in a few minutes here. And, uh, and you have to wonder, too, like, if the if the English dub just made it worse, whatever whoever dubbed in this guy's voice, maybe it wasn't <laughs> so over the top in Italian, but whatever this, you know, this bitch is crazy, and he's smacking himself in the head, like... Totally. Maybe, maybe the English really just did it over the top. I think. was thinking the same thing for Marilyn's character, Ugh. because um, and she comes up right now because she's like, "Oh my God, are you okay? Yeah, see, I'm gonna go out to the movies with Mario. He's such a ballbuster, chow." 
It's like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? Like, seriously, she's one of my favorite dumb bitch characters in these movies. And, like, I don't know if I'm going to get around to doing it, but since I'm about to announce it, I better do it. But I would like to put a little um, bit together of all of her amazing dialogue just like back to back because she says some of the stupidest shit in the fucking world and the pacing of it is so amazingly bad but fun like she's like someone i would totally want to go hang out with but at the same time after about an hour of having her in public i would probably leave her so she's amazing um so now she goes to the parking garage and um, this is a really cool scene how they do it with the shadows on the walls and all this other shit and she sees a, an iris on the ground and she knows what that means shit's about to get real for Jennifer the and, man from the past oh my comes God. back and he grabs her after this really intense scene with very fun music and he grabs her <laughs> and he's like like, bitch, you're mine! And here is where I fucking lose it a little bit. Okay. This is where I, I just don't understand. So now we go into this little flashback sequence that's all kaleidoscope of her, like, on a bed with irises dropping on her, and she stands up, and she's naked, and he's naked, and they have their, oh, you are you belong to all of us now, and then there's all these naked people, and then they're all on the bed together, and all this fun stuff, and um, he's like, this is the only true way you can be free, and all this other shit. She's like, but I want to belong to someone. And he's like, no, you know, the whole, the whole fucking deal. So he is telling her that the only way she can be free is to not be held by any man. Because he even says to her, he's like, um, any man can take you, and blah, 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 blah. And she's like, you feed on jealousy, da, 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 da. And they have this, like, weird argument going back and forth but it's like if is it more of it and this could be a translation thing is it more that she's being with someone else maybe outside of the group or do you think he's really just this total jealous guy i think he's a jealous asshole pretty much i think yeah i mean it seems to me like she decided hey um this isn't for me anymore i'm out of here and uh this has been fun, but... Yeah, I, I was going through a phase where I wanted to orgy with everyone, but now I just want, you know, one like, man in my life. Not really into anal. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to split this scene. It's uh, a different movie. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but then he, like, pulls out this, like, syringe full of nasty stuff, and he's like, this will make you talk. And, uh, and so they have this whole little bit, and then she does... There's a lot of, like, cool elbows to people's sides that seem to solve the problem of the day a lot in this movie. And then she runs off, and he's like, bitch, I'll kill you, and when I get you, you'll come crawling back on your knees. You know, or something like that. Something along those lines. He's very upset. Okay. <laughs> He's a little upset stalker. So then Mizar is back at the apartment building and she opens the um, elevator and then she has a flashback to, oh yeah, there was a dead bitch in the elevator a little while ago. Fuck, I should take the stairs. So she turns around to take the stairs and there are some really great shots in this movie whenever you're looking up like the stairway or down the stairway or up a building or down a building. Um... 
it's just it's really 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 cool shit digging it a lot um agreed so she goes in and tries to turn on the light and the light's not working and she's not no stupid bitch she's gonna leave that fucking door open and get light from the fucking hallway you know (laughs) and so she's walking through the apartment like okay and then she starts having a and then the door slams and she's like shit and so she starts having a flashback in her head like verbal flashback which was kind of weird or an audio flashback where she's like, oh, dude, that guy was really mad when I kicked his ass tonight. Oh, shit. And she, she, she's probably thinking, I hope it's not him. She goes into the kitchen and turns on the stove. There, She lights a match. Great shot. Like, it was very reminiscent of Bird with the Crystal Plumage when the girl's smoking a cigarette on the bed. Um, where it's like her POV and she's holding the match up, kind of looking around the room. And then she walks out of the kitchen to a fucking judo chop in the throat. Boom! Bitch goes down. And the killer starts pulling her top off. Not to do anything weird, but because I guess he doesn't want to get her clothes wet when he puts her in the bathtub. Yeah. (laughs) And he ties her up, and he puts her in the bathtub, turns on the water, and just kind of stands there. And then she's like, Eric Bergstrom, do not drown me! really scared! (laughs) I don't really get his methods. He's okay with leaving a bloody mess behind in an elevator, but then in this one, he's just going to slowly and torturous way of killing her, put her in the bathtub and, and drown her. He had time, I think. He had more time this time? Yeah. Like, there wasn't okay. anyone trying to get in the room, maybe. He okay. was like, eh, got a few minutes. Got to yeah. make sure the water fills up. I mean, yeah, he could have just stabbed her, and that could have been the end of it. I agree. But for the suspense of the film and all that other stuff, maybe they needed more runtime. Maybe the movie was too short. <laughs> They're like, it'll probably take a while to fill this bathtub up. Right. Uh, we get to look at her naked more than that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, and, and, you know, this whole scene is very Bava. Not even just the fact that it's a bathtub murder, which is from Blood and Black Lace, but this is the first time you get to see the killer with his full-on fedora and face mask, which yeah. is exactly like the guy from Blood and Black Lace. And it is, yeah. Just the way that the whole scene is lit and with the colors... It just totally reminds me of, of, of Blood and Black Lace and some of Bava's other movies like uh, Baron Blood and um, uh, Lisa and the Devil and, and, those, and those sorts of films. But I also felt like the it was a very morbid death. I mean, you don't usually have these victims kind of in a position where they're, you know, screaming, please let me go, please untie me, I don't want to die. It's more like, okay, they get stabbed, um... And it's it's you know it's still very violent and and very um, over the top. But this one is a little bit more kind of squirmy, like you know the, the water's filling up slowly and she's she knows she's going to drown and you know it, it was a little odd. Um, and not that it wasn't good or not that it was a bad scene, but it just it felt a little misplaced with it being a giallo and the fact that pretty much everything else in this film is a little bit more tongue-in-cheek and a little bit more lighthearted. This was uh, pretty brutal. Pretty creepy, yeah. A yeah, little brutal. yeah. Do you guys yeah, ever kind of wonder when you see something like this, like, is that water really hot or do you think it's really cold? Because sometimes when I turn on both knobs at the same time, I'll get a lot of hot water. And sometimes it's super cold and I never get any hot water. <laughs> well, I guess I don't think about that. I just think about it being water. <laughs> in my water phobia that I have. Do you have a phobia of water? Being trapped in water, yes. Oh, okay. (laughs) 
it's like I think a lot of people talk about being burned alive being their most the, the death that they fear the most but for some reason I have a thing with drowning and like being tied up and uh, tied to a cinder block go swimming with the fishes your wife has no fun with you <laughs> okay so she, she has all I'm, the fun I don't I, I'm the only person who was concerned if the temperature of the water was either burning her or unbearably cold she was yeah. probably more worried about drowning you guys are both I, right I think so yeah and I, and I do agree that's what I was I guess saying it and you said it in a much better way but <laughs> that this, this seems very out of place for this film and that's why it kind of caught me off guard I really liked it um, probably more than anything else because like uh, Chris was saying too like because you do get to see him and he's just standing there and you it's he's not in a dark fucking room it's lit he's like this is me this is what I'm looking like with my mask on the whole deal and you really don't get to see a lot of that or at least this early on in a movie typically so that was really cool okay so now we have our freaking awesome commissioner (laughs) who is more excited about finding stamps in the apartment than he is um, really solving the crime and we also get to meet his amazing assistant um, I think his name is just Renzi what what are your guys' impressions of um... I didn't catch his name but yeah that sounds right Renzi yeah yeah, the Tweedledee and Tweedledum that's just what we'll call him yeah. <laughs> that's the kind of relationship they have it's the comic relief duo. Did you guys look at them as comic relief, or were you like going, "Oh, okay, there's some fucking good ass cops on this case"? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> all right, so he you know, the, like the commissioner. I mean, first of all, to have a commissioner, even you know, when I think of a police commissioner, I don't think of somebody who goes out on the beat and tries to solve murder cases. Right. But um. Uh, yeah, it's weird. You know, sometimes um, these films will bring in the the police and they're considered, you know, to be straight or, you know, doing things seriously. And other times they're thrown in as complete comic relief. And in, in this case, I, I think it was um, the cops in um, in Deep Red, which are, which are really, you know, just complete comic relief. Like, it doesn't look like they do anything... Uh, that helps at all with the investigation but these guys it seems like the commissioner he really wants to approach this case seriously and he's you know he's on the trail and he's interviewing everyone and he's following up on leads and he's building all these cases in his head and then he's got this other guy who he doesn't even know that he's supposed to push the elevator buttons and he doesn't even know you know he files the (laughs) he files the the glasses under under b for bar bar equipment and you know it's it was so over the top and some of his expressions and um you know but i I didn't i lost all of respect for the for the um for the the sidekick when when i heard him say that um that jennifer was not his type and i'm like you can't say that no no one can say that there unless you're gay no one can say that because it's like she's in a different outfit you know, for every scene. Oh my God. And it's like, it's, it, this is my favorite, um, Edwidge film. 
although you know she's got a lot of them where she she really shines but this one is for just for the eye candy aspect of her performance it's like it's fantastic but anyway i'm digressing but um yeah i think the cops are um i, I think that's kind of what one of the things I don't like about this film, if I could say anything about it, is that they didn't really put anybody in charge of solving the crime in a serious way, um, but they put the cops in. And so if you don't have an amateur detective, the cops really have to do some work, and they didn't really do any work and at all. And that's what so. I feel like this movie is kind of weird, because it feels like when the cop is not with his assistant, he's like the straight, I'm going to solve this case kind of cop. But when the assistant's around then they're kind of more goofy. Right. And so there was that weird up and down on it for me with those guys. But he talks to the old lady and he's like, hey, weren't you in the fucking elevator thing yesterday too? And she's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm old, blah, 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 whatever. <clears throat> so that's what she says. He talks to the guy who brought her her ham sandwich and I guess he's the one who found her body, you know, because typically when someone brings me a ham sandwich, they come into my bathroom just to check on me and um there's all that so um he finds a stamp that he's really excited about but while he's talking to this chick he finds a letter and shoves it in his coat and we'll find out later what that letter means and now is when that time comes so now they're <laughs> at the station and he's like check this out and he's like yeah it's a little fucking stamp who cares it's worthless and he's like not that stamp you fuck the letter and um, because apparently this cop is like a Brooklyn Irish cop or something like that. And um, so he reads the letter and the letter was kind of um, hardcore. It was like, um, your skin is as black as sin. You're making me hot and all this other kind of creepy stuff. And it's signed with an S or a squiggle. They can't figure it out, but they're they're on the case. <laughs> oh god okay so anyway so then um <clears throat> marilyn and jen meet andre and the weird photographer guy who might not be gay who might be gay at this um pharmacy slash coffee shop awesome place and while this is going on adam's watching and there's this really great shot where we see her and then she goes out of frame to kiss hello and we rack back onto him like looking like a creep through the window and then rack back right when she comes out so that was all sorts of good right there they goes hey guess what you girls got an apartment you know yeah some girl got murdered there and so they're a little freaked out but not horribly freaked out because they go right there um so, but this is where that guy had on that fucking badass fucking furry vest. <laughs> it was fucking hot. It was a great looking fucking vest right there, man. Um, and then we go back to the club and the cop starts asking uh, Peter Lorre a bunch of questions. And he's like, I want the names of the guys who are here. And he's like, I can't give you them. It's, you know, it's secret blah 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 we're a secret club and he's like I'll shut down this casino and then uh, all this other stuff happens that actually nothing's really happening they're just talking but then he punches them in the face and Renzi's like holy <gasps> and um, he's like if you don't give me that shit I'll shut your casino down and he's like okay I'll give it to you you won't shut my casino down will you okay any thoughts so far 
I don't remember any of that. <laughs> okay. So then... The only, thing, the, only, the only thing I could say is that you get to see the club with all its lights turned mm -hmm. on and, and see how like really cool the, 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 the design of the club is. It has like these awesome like tubular things coming out of the ceiling. It's just like if I lived in 1972 and had a casino, it would look like this. It was beautiful. I always wonder if these places are still there and if they're untouched. Like I wonder if Italian architects think of themselves like Michelangelo and all this other shit and don't want anyone to touch their creations. Because that it's could hard, be a... It's hard to understand, too, because I don't know enough about the production, but if this club, if it is actually just in it, built inside of a studio, or whether it really was inside of, a, of an establishment that people would, would, you know, go to, and, you know, why would they build a set this extravagant for those two scenes? Yeah, typically, know? from what I am aware of, I guess, um, Whenever there's a ceiling to something, there's not. It's not a set. Like that's a fucking place, you know. And this place had some fucking fixtures up there that were tits, dude. I really like this place a lot. <laughs> I thought it was great. Um, but yeah, that's just me geeking out on buildings and shit. Okay, so um, blah blah blah. Amateur um, architecture. Amateur architecture. Yeah, dude. So now we get to the apartment, and for some reason, Andre is like hanging out with the girls. Like, yeah, I'm watching you make a bed because that's what I do. And they they're moving in. So apparently, this is like the next day. They got all that bitches shit out, and they got all their shit in. Who cares? Okay. So there, she's like, "What are you guys doing in there?" And he's like, "I'm trying out a bed. You jealous or whatever?" And she's like, oh, no, we share everything. And then fucking Jennifer's like, what did I tell you about that? Like, in her eyes, like, looking at her, she's like, oh, I just said it to be funny because I'm Marilyn and I say stupid shit all the time. That's my thing. And um, so she's like, I'm going to take a shower. So she's going to almost go take a shower. But um, she gives uh, Jennifer a can and wants her to open it with this crazy archaic can opener thing that none of us humans in this day and age would even know what it was and she cuts her finger and at the sight of the blood on her finger andrea starts fucking freaking out and she and the Marilyn comes and she's like oh my god you're green what's wrong with you and doing her thing and then she's like i'm gonna go get some iodine this is priceless she goes to the old lady's house next door and she's like rings the doorbell the chick answers the door she's like Hey there, see, my friend was trying to cope with her hand open with a can opener, and you know, we just need some iodine or alcohol, would be great. <laughs> and she's like, Oh my gosh, if I just open the door to me talking like that, I would have a heart attack, especially if I was an old woman. <laughs> but, um, so apparently she doesn't get any alcohol or iodine, so, uh, Jennifer just has to fucking deal with a cut fucking finger. So she goes and gets in the bath because she was pissing them off with her mouthy shit. And then all of a sudden dinner's ready and she's not coming out yet. So they they start knocking on the door and Andrea notices water coming out from under the door. Uh-oh. So what does he do? He just knocks a little harder. Says her name a little bit louder. Jennifer comes up. She's freaking out. So he 
busts the door down and sees an arm hanging out over the side of the tub and Jennifer comes in and she screams and then Marilyn jumps up and she's like, oh, I'm a ghost. <laughs> and he's like, you stupid bitch, are you making fun of the dead? And she's like, what? What, did you kill her? Or something like that. And so just like any normal guy would do if someone accused you of murder, you fucking smack him right across the fucking face. And then he storms out. And she's like, oh, God, I don't know what his problem is. I'm sorry. And then she's like, Annie, hit me. Ow, my ear hurts. So so this scene basically just is jam-packed with character development is what you're saying. Oh, my God. It's so much fun, dude. That chick is a fucking riot, dude. <laughs> we learn all um, about Marilyn's goofiness. And we learn all about Andrea's fear of blood, which never really gets expanded upon until the very end of the film but that's okay yeah that kind of irritated me a little bit i know i wanted to see what i wanted to see more i mean all these they kept hinting towards these uh this these characters that these people are playing with jennifer's weird cult that she was a part of and they just never spend much time that's another thing yeah Okay, and, and we'll talk about that in a second. I'll, I'll try to speed through this, because I'm getting way too geeked out here. So you, I apologize, and, everybody. And Marilyn had you're, a great like line. making up scenes. I was, I'm sorry. Marilyn had a great line in that scene where she said, no orgies for me, I get motion sickness. <laughs> <laughs> I had to write that one down, because I was going to laugh. Oh, she is so good, dude. And it bums me out, because I wonder how much of that is just the dub. You know, because for all we know, her voice is probably like, oh, no orgies for me, I get motion sickness. <laughs> you know, it might be all fucking gross and nasty, but her dub voice is just, oh, it's so much fun. Okay. Yeah, you have to suspend disbelief and just go with it. Just, yeah. just, just pretend that that's really her voice. So what happens next? The commissioner talks to the photo guy. Great. Um, and then we go back and uh, Jennifer is in bed. Um, sleeping and uh, Marilyn's in bed sleeping and the tan gloved killer comes in and tries to rub up on Jennifer and she screams and scares the shit out of Marilyn who screams even louder and flips the light on and by the time she gets her stupid eyeball cover thing over off her face um, it's just Jennifer sitting there and so she just assumes when Jennifer says someone tried to kill her that um, she's just needing some dick and like a, like a good friend would and she's like okay so back to bed night and um but there, this is a great shot where she looks out the window and looks down and then looks up and the camera does this super crazy spin turn it's great good good yeah, stuff. The, the other thing i really liked about this scene was the the shot where you <clears throat> could see both of the girls in bed but they used a mirror for one of them uh i don't know why it just struck me as a really nicely framed shot and uh they used mirrors a lot in this film but that one was was great because it was like okay well we can't we can't do a wide angle with the way that this apartment is set up so let's put a mirror there instead (laughs) oh it was really good and there was one bit i forgot actually through all my rambling um when andrea left the apartment that night um, as he's getting in the car, he's shutting the door, and some crazy fucker has a knife, and he's trying to stab him. And he's like, what are you doing, Jennifer's mind? She will always be mine. And he's like, are you crazy? 
And um, so Adam tried to attack him, kinda. And then yeah. um, he just like he's like, well, I'm in a car, dude. And you have a knife, so I'm just gonna put on the gas and leave you here. And um, like any normal guy would, never brings it up to anybody. You know. <laughs> so it's pretty normal. Yeah. Nice. Well, would stuff. you would you tell the commissioner that? I guess maybe he doesn't know the commissioner very well, but I wouldn't tell that commissioner anything. Well, I pretty soon here, once the commissioner starts fucking accusing him of shit, I would be fucking pulling everything out of the bag. <laughs> this guy, he tried to fucking kill me, and that crazy That's true. Power. You know, like, it would just be kind of crazy. Uh, well, uh, Marilyn and Jen, the next day, um, are at the little coffee place, and they meet um, Sheila and Sheila's dad and Sheila is um kind of kind of fancy. She actually was in the last movie we did. She sure was. She was in Blackabella. So, um that was really cool. <clears throat> and um her dad walks up right as she's like taking her hand off of Marilyn's hand. So it's like, ooh, sexy pants. Um so there was that. So when um Jennifer leaves, she walks outside and there's a torn up iris on the ground so apparently stuff with the iris is progressing and she's right. a little freaked out so because be- before he told her that they were all part parts of an iris made up of many petals and now the petals are strewn on the floor that's where they got that idea for magnolia i think so <laughs> yeah man what a bunch of ripoff motherfuckers okay So she goes back to her apartment, and this is one of my favorite scenes. She's looking around, and she's like, okay, everything's fine. And then she goes to take her shirt off, and as she's pulling her top up over her head, hands grab her wrist. Dude, I fucking jumped. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so good. And um, apparently he was able to twist her around. So now he's looking at her, and we're shooting her through the shirt. Oh, it's so good. He's like, bitch, don't talk. And she's like, wait a second, you're not Adam. And he's like, hey, come on, baby. Shh. And she's like, ah! And so they freak out. She runs out. Um, the guy knocks over a lamp. So now she's like in a see-through bra running down the hallway, and she runs right into her um, neighbor's apartment, uh, Sheila, who she just met earlier. Um, and Sheila's like, oh. And she's like freaking out. She's like, let me in. Someone's trying to kill me. She's like, oh God, you would drive anybody crazy. Let me rub up on you. And she's like totally oblivious to the fact that she's freaking out that someone just tried to fucking kill her. And she's just like getting her, copping her field, doing her thing and all this other shit. And then um, uh, her dad walks in and he looks at them like kind of touching and he's disgusted. And he just takes his violin and he walks right back into his room and shuts the door and starts playing his violin which pisses everybody off in the building because he does it until the wee hours of the night (laughs) do you have one of those in your building i actually do my next door neighbor plays violin all night it's amazing i actually like it oh it's like kind of soothing and she's moving (laughs) so i'm kind of pissed off about that so you have a lesbian daughter no but i think she's a I don't know if she listens to this, so I'm not going to say. Okay. Hello, violin player lady who lives next door. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so uh, back to the movie, guys. Come on. Sorry, sorry. Give me out. I just thought it was uh, great that you know Jennifer shows up at the lesbian's house with 
boots, a skirt, and a bra on, and nothing else, and is just <clears throat> the perfect, you know, situation to be in for uh, for Sheila, <laughs> yeah, for anyone, but for <laughs> Sheila. And then she brings out the, the the shirt and puts it over her shoulders, and I'm like, boo, you know, um, don't put the, sh you know, why would you do that? You know, that, totally. was, that was the dumbest move ever. And but, uh, for sure, because like when that happened, I was like, dude, that never happens to me. <laughs> I never opened my door to a half-naked girl all damsel and distressy. If you did, you'd put a shirt on her, right? <laughs> yeah, my shirt. Uh, no, Especially if I, your dad came home. Yeah, dude, oh my god. that would. If my dad came home to that, it would be a whole different thing. So anyway, so she's like, oh honey, I'll go with you and check your apartment and make sure nobody's in there. And so they're checking around, and then Marilyn shows up, right? And she's like, hey, everybody, I'm a big stupid idiot! And she's talking, yeah. she's like, what's this? And she finds a, a iris on the ground, and it's got some drops on it, doesn't it? Yep. Some bloody drops. Oh my god. From, from the alternate title. Yes, perhaps. And then um, they open a door, and what did they find? A body... Uh, Adam's body with a fucking is there a knife in it or is it just bleeding? I can't remember. He's just he's just a bloody mess. Yeah. Well, there goes our whole red herring. So, mm -hmm. what are we gonna do now? Now we have to put Turn on off our the detective movie? hats. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, did you not like this movie? Eric done. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I put all my eggs in that basket and I was let let down. Oh man, it's just like thinking that Daniel Bryan was going to get number thirty, huh? Hey, now. Okay. We're not so, about that. so Jennifer's at the police station telling her story to the cops, and the cops are like, "Yeah, whatever." And this is when they do that whole like, "Where are the glasses? They're under B for bar equipment." And um, she's like, "God, I sound ridiculous." And he's like, "Pretty girls never sound ridiculous." <laughs> And then he's like, uh, uh, you know, well, uh, and then he totally tries to backtrack it. You know what I'm saying? Who's not there anymore? I'm here. You're here. So Eric is the one who is... Eric, he, yeah, it looks like he's... He's thinking about... Coming, <laughs> his, his, his avatar is thinking about returning. <laughs> okay, so, um... We'll just keep going because he he seemed very upset with the movie anyway. <laughs> no, just so um, I don't know some things that happened in here just to move this along a little bit. Um, when the cop is following Andre around, he stops and stops at that little newsstand, and the old lady next door is buying like horror comics and jallies and all this other shit. And the guy's like, yeah, man, anyone who's into that shit's really fucked up. And he never fucking brings that up. Holy crap, fuck, everybody. That's what my IT department always tells me to do. What? Just restart it. They're like, have you tried turning it off and on again? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, we had a little bit of a thing right there. That's a great show, dude. Yeah, Jack Frost kind of nipped at some of our internet wires here up in Minnesota. So sorry about that, everyone. And then my computer decided to take a shit because it thought that's what everyone was doing. <laughs> Joining the party. Apparently, Chris is the only one who has no problems at all. So um, it's definitely just... It's a <laughs> <clears throat> Okay. 
so um, we were just kind of running down um, all the crazy shit that's going on here. Um, so we were right about to get to the part where um, Marilyn the Wonderful gets stabbed in the tummy. She Someone comes up to her and she gets stabbed. And um, instead of doing what most people would do, like talk or scream or write the person's name in blood who stabbed her, she goes up to Andrea, who's standing right there, and gets blood all over him, knowing that he's a freak about blood. And then he can't do anything, and he's, like, frozen in fear. And then everyone in Italy runs up to him and says, You killed her, you fucker! And instead of saying, Actually, I didn't. I was waiting for a cab or any other thing like that. He does what most people would do, which is run away. <laughs> yeah. And um, if Renzi, being the great cop that he could have been wasn't trying to put salami on some bread he would have seen what happened and then this whole angle of the movie would have been taken care of but um he was trying to make a smamich and um missed all of this and motherfucker ran away and so he went to chase him and edwidge jennifer saw him looking all like oh when um homegirl was bleeding all up and down his pretty coat and so she's pretty certain that he didn't do it but you never know because that's what crazy people want you to think because that's <laughs> called police work right there yeah yeah he's got some friends in some pretty good places here he's got jennifer kind of backing him up on all this uh, but for the... a moment yeah. Well, if you notice too, right before Marilyn gets stabbed, she says hi. So you know we're we're supposed to get True. that hint. Yeah, that she, she knows who this is. Him. Exactly. Which is why I was like, either say it or write it in blood. But she probably didn't remember the dude's name, and that's where she was like, ah shit, I totally don't remember what this guy's name is. <laughs> well, she's Marilyn, and she's dumb. So <laughs> yeah, she's not gonna write the name. On, in some fog on a mirror like in other <laughs> movies but right she's just, gonna, she's just gonna collapse in a pool of her own blood oh man and scare scare poor andrea to be honest i was kind of bummed out yeah i was like oh this chick is so much fun i can't believe it i know I <sighs> so, so much yeah well anyway but uh, more importantly jennifer's wearing this bitch in orange tie with this hot ass black outfit Am I right or am I wrong? Does she look just scrumptious in this thing or what? That's probably it's, the word I'd use, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know that this... This is probably my least favorite outfit of hers throughout the oh movie. Oh my god. But only because she was wearing pants and a long sleeve shirt, which I, I just can't condone when it's right? Edwidge. There is a lot of skin that's missing there, but that fucking tie was huge. It and it just and like you can't tell in this scene, but the next scene, where um, she so she goes back to her apartment and she hears the, she's all tripped out on the old lady and she thinks something's not right, so this is where Chris's favorite scene comes up where she just happens to have a key to her apartment when she leaves, <laughs> and she like unlocks the door and goes into this really scary, Catholic apartment, and there what does she find? The, the creepy son. Right. He's all deformed. David, right? The burned guy from Bloody Moon. 
jumps out <laughs> and uh, from the burning. <laughs> and he's like all touching her and all this shit and she's freaking out and so she goes and does what she should do and she gets the cops but it took her just long enough to have the old lady hide her weird creepy son after she called her a whore putting perfume on and ah and all this other shit and she's like no I don't have a son bitch is crazy but it's again that fucking Renzi like he saw the old lady buying comic books and all this other shit why wasn't he going hey lady I saw you buy all the shit where's that in your Jesus house (laughs) and he didn't fucking ask her and that pissed me off and then this is when he's like crazy bitch you're not my type I only like (laughs) dudes and fat girls you know like (laughs) maybe he just respects people and their their niche habits I mean of course she's she's an older Catholic woman but she could enjoy a comic book here and there he he respects people's privacy is what I'm saying he didn't even find it laying around the house because homeboy has just like in most apartments you know you could like make another room through a closet you know you yeah. can just like cut out a wall it doesn't matter whose apartment you're going into it's fine that's, that's too much work for Renzi <laughs> he's gotta make a sandwich did you see how he looked in the rooms he opens the door and he's like yep that room's nobody's yeah no one's here clear I've, I've done my police work for the day um, <laughs> so yeah so she's like fuck this I'm packing, I'm getting out of here. And then she gets a call from Andrea, who, not creepy at all, he's like, uh, meet me at the old junkyard right now. Make sure you're not followed. <laughs> Come alone. Totally normal. Normal conversation. Oh, you know what I'm at we didn't night. talk about? We What's missed that? the three-minute bump and ugly scene. Yeah. So sure I apologize, everybody. There was some hardcore softcore action and um Renzi had to watch it damn yeah I guess the only reason to to bring that up is to talk about Renzi's comical interaction with the whoever he's talking to on the phone it's not it's not the commissioner but someone else at the the police station and yeah, the commissioner uh, went home and he's like bite me fucker I know <laughs> he, did, didn't he say something like um he asked the guy like well what should I do now and he said we'll grab a towel or something like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> I got a good uh, laugh out of that. A good, that was good, good chuckle. Yeah, Renzi has his moments. They're few and far between. Yeah. So, um, so she goes walking through the scary ass fucking junkyard in the middle of the night like some stupid bitch would, and, um, and she the... managed to change outfits before she did it though. Oh my god, it was so good. <laughs> that's her junkyard outfit, <laughs> dude. That's a nice coat, you know. Um, oh my gosh! And then then the music starts. <laughs> so it's total junkyard appropriate when cars start falling on you and doors start opening. So um, long story short, um, someone's there and so much crazy shit happens. So she runs home, and when she gets back to the apartment, um, she runs into Sylvia. Is that her name? Yes. Sheila. 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 Motherfucker, dude. Sheila. And Sheila's now like... Sheila hey, is wearing a tie. Yeah, dude. <laughs> There's some weird gender stuff going on here, but I think these girls still look good in their ties. 
So they get in the elevator, the elevator's not working right, and then the elevator goes all the way down to the basement. Holy shit. And because I guess every fashion model in Italy has spent time in a uh, the bottom hull of a ship, she's like, it's just like being on a boat, <laughs> or something like that. And she's <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that must be something you guys all do over there. And um, so they start walking around, and then the the yellow gloved killer turns the thing and steam comes out and burns uh sheila's face into a fucking cropsy looking thing that was a really good way to throw that out um <laughs> and so she's freaking out but then all of a sudden andre is there and he's trying to flush her he's like hey come on let's go and she's like hey fucker like you're you keep showing up and people keep dying i'm starting to rethink this and he's like you're like all the others you hesitate there's the stairs go go run from me and it's like very over dramatic a little bit you know it's like motherfucker could have just went to the cops no big deal cops come down chase him so he starts running like every normal guy would run away from the cops and the cops again thoroughly search her apartment and make sure no one's there to kill her um, by really not doing a whole lot. And um, that seems to be the end of what's going to happen. He's going to put some people outside. No big deal. She's brushing her teeth or fucking combing her hair. And she sees the killer come in. And this is when shit gets real. In case it hasn't yet. So she books it out of that apartment. There's no way she's going to old lady's creepy apartment. So she runs to Sheila's apartment. Goes inside. And what does she find? She finds fucking dead burn guy with the gloves on in the outfit, but he's dead. And a fucking tape recorder of the violin. Holy shitballs, she says to herself. And then she turns around and the killer comes in and the killer reveals himself to be... Daddy. Daddy. And his motive? He doesn't like the beautiful people. And he doesn't Fucking like how they—they <laughs> like, they corrupted his daughter. <laughs> yeah, they don't like. <laughs> I'm getting all these motives confused, but yeah, yeah, they corrupted his daughter, turned her into a les- lesbian. And it's and, her uh, fault. It's her fault that he killed his daughter. Yes, because he thought it was her or something. Yeah, and he got the idea for the outfit when he saw creepy burn guy about to freaking play padiddle the skittle on his kid, right? <laughs> or something like that that's what he said I think yeah so he chloroforms her and at this moment I was like oh shit I really don't see this ending well and then he goes out and he throws Cropsy over the side railing which you know seems pretty normal to do and then he grabs her and then he tries to be all poetic about Romeo and Juliet and all this stuff and then the elevator door opens, and out comes Superstar George Hilton, and they have a fight. And in this, like, really weak fight, where he totally should have kicked this guy's ass very easily. Um, and, you know, Edwidge is screaming her fucking head off, and there's like 400 people in this apartment. Nobody comes out. Uh, Move the hell out of there. Yeah, dude. We see some blood drop on his face from the killer hitting his hand with the knife and we finally see why the hell um andrea is so afraid of blood and what is it well he was in an accident with his family right yes it seemed to be his papa and his papa was dripping blood on him 
And so he totally just kind of lost it. And he was about to go over the edge. And then just a swift little toot kick into the old man's keister threw him spiraling down the stair hole. Which was an amazing shot, by the way. And how he fell and how he hit, that looked great. That looked so fucking good. So, um, and then they hug and everything seems to be okay. Renzi's about to get fired, put on the fire department. Uh, Jennifer's sorry for not believing Andrea. And then some other woman comes and makes a phone call, possibly to the same place, because it sounded like the same chick, saying, yeah, come up, everything's fine. So I don't know why the hell that was put in there, because that totally fucked all my shit up. (laughs) But um, that, my friends, spoiler-filled, is uh, the case of the Bloody Iris. We solved it. What do we think about it? Should we <laughs> crickets? <laughs> do, you, do you want? Do you want me to just? I want you to do whatever you want right now. Just spew my do vomit, right so on, then you guys do can it right on my face. You guys can mop it up and, and talk about how much you liked it. Right on the mouth. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't hate this movie at all. Um, I like you said, there were those great shots, including the ending was probably one of the best I'd seen as far as a conclusion in one of these these films that we've watched so far anyway. But um, just some of the things just left too many questions up in the air for me, uh, things that weren't tied together very tightly. Um, like the I thought girl that in the, the bathtub, she seemed right. pretty tightly tied. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, continue. Yeah, <laughs> nothing else in this film was tight. <laughs> I just thought the yeah the story was just too broad, um, and they could have spent a lot, lot more time uh, on these more interesting characters' stories, and then the whole fact that Andrea had this trauma of his childhood it didn't really sit well with me. I, I thought that should have been saved for the killer. Um, right. I was like, this this is weird. This is weird to me. Um, just the the motivation seemed weak and contrived, and I, I wish just wish things were explored more i guess is the is my main gripe with the film but outside of that i do like the humor i like uh marilyn of course just like uh, you guys do oh she's and I, amazing I, I think that the we talked about this earlier the the score i think is uh is much better than average than uh, some of the scores we've heard i think i i actually thought it fit well whether it was a creepy scene or it was a, a fun sexy scene um, I wish I like there was the, more to it, though. Yeah. Like, I wish there was more. Like a variation on it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. There, there's another theme that plays right before the uh, the sex scene at uh, Andrea's house, which I didn't even notice until this last time through. I don't, and it doesn't even come to mind with whatever it is, but I did notice. I'm like, whoa, that's a different theme there. Yeah. yeah the there's there's another song that's playing during the wrestling scene. Oh yeah, if that's I'm not crazy. mistaken, but um, but yeah, but I mean, for the most part, it's this song. Yeah, yeah, and and so yeah, I guess I make it sound like I there's more things I hate about this movie than I like, but I do think it's a better than average uh, film. I just don't think it's strong enough to be supported by like a a, a stronger rating than maybe like a, a five or a six on IMDb. So that's that's it for me. Is it more of a thing like? This was a good watch, but I don't think I would watch it over and over again. Yeah, exactly. I think that's about it. Um, there's things I would like to watch it again for. Mm-hmm. Maybe 
things that would, <laughs> besides the obvious, but things that I feel like maybe if I watch it again, some of the stuff I thought seemed open-ended and it not explained well, maybe it would be explained better upon more watches. Uh, but outside of that, I just felt kind of empty at the end. And it did touch upon a lot of, it did kind of have fun with all those touchstones of the Giallo film, um, as can be seen in this Giallo score for this this one. But I just, I just wanted, I, I wanted to know where where he went when he escaped the the cellar. I wanted to know. I wanted to see the car chasing him through the back alleys. I wanted one of those scenes in this film, but they just left too many things open ended. I think. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that the, the end of the film is really where all of the kind of interesting, you know, what if kind of things are happening. Like the first thing I noticed was that somehow when Jennifer walks in and sees uh, the dead David body and hears the violin playing on the tape recorder, she manages to turn it off, but then set it, sets it on record. record yeah. And I didn't even notice that the first couple of times, but then I realized that she did because after the cops get the tape recorder, they get um, the guy's confession. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing that I noticed uh, after, you know, many times of looking at this the other one that i never really thought about until this time through was i'm thinking that the two times when jennifer was confronted by quote unquote the killer i'm thinking that it's actually the the david character instead yeah. because sure. he alluded to the killer alluded to the fact that this guy used to dress up and visit his daughter and i think he was doing the same thing with jennifer because he does when when Jennifer is asleep, uh, or, or the other time when she's attacked when she comes home, um, the killer isn't really like just this diabolical "I want to kill you." He's like, you know, stand still. I want to put my arms around your neck, kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I kind of I realized that it probably was um, David uh, who went into Jennifer's room the two times, but then because she says, "Well, then you had, you actually killed everybody," and he said, "Yes, I did." Um, and then, you know, of course we have the, the final scene where, um, you know, we've got the, you know, if it wasn't for the, if it wasn't for Andrea's, uh, boot kicking the, the old man in the ass, uh, it would have been an accidental death and, and, you know, the, the film would have gotten a few extra points on the score. But, um, I noticed that foot and I'm like, I just can't award that, that point. <laughs> I was uh, going to ask you about that. Yeah. And the other one that I was generous with was there's a one of the point criteria is that there's more than one killer or an accomplice. And I did give it points for that. And I, I may decide I to take those you. points away <laughs> only because, number one, um, David wasn't wasn't a killer. He didn't kill anybody. And he's not really an accomplice either because he wasn't helping out the killer. So, well, here's there... my question about that, then, because when she comes in to their apartment after she got attacked by David when they go back minutes later um fucking homeboy's dead unless he was already dead for a while and had been chilling yeah. out there for a while I think that the, the last time that she was attacked in her room was by the real killer he had supposedly gone back to his room to play the violin because his daughter was dead and he was sad and yeah. they show they actually show a picture of him like in his in his, uh, in his, just in his sorrow, playing the violin, yet. so dramatic. And then 
he turns the tape on and dresses up and then goes and attacks Jennifer. But he had planned the whole time to frame the other guy. But again, Eric's right. I mean, there's so many disjointed, you know, loose ends here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with the motivation being something that is just kind of an afterthought. And it, it's it's typical of some of these films where they really just want to have some, you know, some over the top scenes and they want to excite everybody. And they really realize that at the time that these films were made, nobody really cared about, you know, why the guy was killing anybody. <laughs> um, but the other thing that, uh, you know, and again, like Eric was saying that the, the flashback was completely misplaced. The flashback is supposed to be something that happened to the killer to turn him into a killer. Um, but instead we have the flashback of this is why Andrea is not the killer. There this are three why... flashbacks in this movie and none of them belong to the killer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I think I awarded points for flashback revelation. Um, but again, I may take those points away because it really wasn't. I mean, it was a revelation, but it wasn't the killer's revelation. So. Well, the last thing I want you to do is... Uh take things away from a movie just because you did this show <laughs> well, well no I, I, certainly, <laughs> I certainly wouldn't do that but you know the idea is yeah. you know that jollyscore.com is an experiment so you know I might go through the film a third or fourth time and say you know what we need to award some points here we need to take some away because sometimes you know I'll score a film and I will be biased because maybe it's a film that I like and I want it to get a good score and so I'll be a little bit more liberal with the pointing um, and then other times I'll take points away just because I hate the film so much. So um, there's there's no real scientific method here. Um, but, you know, I think that what they were trying to do at the end, and I mentioned this on the, the website too, is I think they were just trying to get some sort of social commentary at the end. I think that at the very beginning of the film, the blonde who gets killed in the elevator was calling Sheila. And Sheila was the girl who was um propositioning this professional woman to come up and have a little rendezvous yeah and now that everybody in in that whole scene is dead we we flash to a completely different scene where the girl uh probably another professional girl is calling somebody and saying come on up you know i'm you know i'm alone and the idea i guess and i may be really stretching here but the idea i guess is that you know um, despite, you know, the, the killer representing, you know, old fashioned, uh, sentimentality about, you know, sexuality, uh, he's dead. And, and, um, this, this new swinging, uh, liberalism with these women who wear men's clothing and go to orgies and wrestle, um, and have lesbian sex is just going to continue to go on. And, and the, the, the killer can't you know the, the fact that they stop were, progress can't stop progress and obviously if it was a slasher you'd be thinking okay you know there's going to be a sequel um but this this is a giallo and there's never sequels to giallos you never see the same killer twice so i i you know i think that they maybe the filmmakers tried to to add something of a commentary a little bit of a commentary at the end there but um, obviously, it's it's lost on most of us because the well, film. My is... my my wish there is maybe <clears throat> um, Sheila just got burned really bad, and now she just has to pay for sex. <laughs> she's she might not be dead, but um, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> you know, 
the only other thing that I that I thought about with this film is that if if you're familiar with um, the Martino, the Sergio Martino Giallos uh, or Jolly, especially the the Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, which stars the same stars yeah. and comes from the same theme of here's this woman who has this very weird sexual hang up um, and she's trying to get over it and trying to move on with her life. And even some of the scenes really just kind of were reminiscent of that film. Um, every time I watch this film, I, I feel like I'm watching a Sergio Martino film and I'm not, you know, it's, it was, it's such a carbon copy in, in, in a lot of ways to um, that film, as well as um, uh, a little bit of uh What's the other one? Um, they're they're coming to get you, or all the colors of the dark. Yeah. Or um, you know, it's it's more of an occult thing that you know, the the, uh, the Satanists are after after uh, Edwidge. But um, you know, and, and what's weird for me about this one is that I don't know if I just have a sentimental attachment to this film because it's one of the first Jalos I ever watched that made me realize that there was a movement and a genre that was beyond Argento and beyond. Uh, Mario Bava and, and maybe Fulci to a lesser extent and like here's this one-off film with this director that no one's ever heard of before but um, you know it's got all the same stuff and it's like the killer and it's got all the same characters and so you know in any other sense I would say that this film is a complete ripoff and I hate it but for some reason uh, I enjoy watching it um, simply for you know how much visual candy there is um, and the music is great, and you know the, some of the some of the clearly that some of the murder scenes are are fun and, and interesting to watch. But it's you know certainly not an original film by any means. Yeah, there's a lot of things about this movie that I love, and then there's things about the movie that I don't like. And from a technical standpoint, like I really don't like it when you turn a camera on its side. It's just not something that's nice, and they do it in this a lot. And the handheld stuff in this is very obviously handheld it it shakes more than it should and it's jarring for me watching it going from the static shots to the handheld shots but um <clears throat> i just i really like the characters in this movie um they're really fun uh the, the andrea character irritated me because it's it's like the same reason why i get pissed off when i watch lost if motherfuckers would communicate, there wouldn't be any fucking problems, you know? <laughs> and there's so many things that should be communicated to one another in this movie that never come up. And it's like, maybe he did when they were on all their walks in the park. Oh, yeah, by the way, some crazy asshole is in love with you and tried to kill me, you know? And she's like, oh, never mind, you know? And why didn't the cops fucking question anyone in this love cult, you know? <laughs> It's like, there's so many things that were just like, why wasn't any of this looked at? And so those little things annoyed me a little bit, but the movie itself is so much fun. And um, when you, when when I realized, because the other thing about it too, when um, she runs into the apartment after she gets attacked and the dad comes in, he doesn't say anything. And I'm like, oh, I bet he's not saying anything because he just talked to her in the other room and he doesn't want her to recognize the voice. And so right. I was like, oh, dude, he's the killer. And so from that moment on, I thought he was the killer. And I ended up being right, but I wasn't right because of that moment. I was right because right. that just fucking happened to work out for me because it usually well, doesn't. Again, I don't know if, if my theory of David 
being uh, the person who you know came in a couple of times and and, and threatened. I'm uh, pretty Jennifer. sure you are. But uh, yeah, no, I mean that was the first he, time he rubs came. on her the same way when she breaks into the apartment, right? You know. But my only question is who killed, or when was Adam killed? That would be my only like confused moment with that whole bit. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. But there's also like you see the killer's shoulders and his jacket when they're in the elevator in the very beginning of the movie. And the first time you see the dad, he's walking into frame and the shots on his shoulder, the foreshadowing in this movie is really amazing. Like it's yeah. really, really good. And anyone who pays attention will know exactly who the killer is two seconds into the movie, you know, but yeah. for someone who's just excited to look at naked girls from the seventies, I'm going to miss it. <laughs> you know, and then the whole like shot where he leans over the railing goes, there's a murdered girl up here. It's foreshadowing that we're going to see him lean over that rail in about 90 minutes pushing bodies off of it. You know, it's just, it's, it, it was done point. well. It was, it was really cool. You know, I really enjoyed it. And I mean, there was a moment too where I thought, I'm like, oh dude, I bet it's the photographer. Cause I haven't seen him in like 20 <laughs> minutes. You know, and when she said she was gonna go stay with him, I was like, "Oh, bitch is gonna get killed." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm I'm just looking at that that opening scene where they, you know, the the two the two comparisons of the shoulder shots coming into the frame. Yeah, you're totally spot on with that. I didn't even notice it. That's pretty cool. It's super fun. It, it's just it it's it's done really really well, and I really like I mean, there was a little bit it's it, the thing about Jali that drive me absolutely crazy is <clears throat> if you just watch it and enjoy it you're fine if you ever go back to think about any kind of logic behind any of it you're going to start finding all these giant holes and you're going to get really irritated right you know what I'm saying and so like um but yeah like I guess, like, with the thing with the hitting record on the tape player is she might have been thinking, oh, shit, I probably went into the wrong apartment. If I'm going to get killed right now, I want someone to be able to hear it. Let me hit record. <laughs> you know, like, that whole thing was kind of crazy. But, like, his motive, I thought, was okay, especially if you talk about the social commentary like that. You know, it's like, all these people are trying to fuck my hot daughter, and I'm fucking not having it. <laughs> Exactly. So that would make me kill a bunch of people, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I think Chris, you brought up a good point at the beginning of the show, um, talking about how you you can't really see this in the context of it being over 40 years old. You have to kind of watch it in its time, and in the fact that people would go maybe a little hopped up on some uh, substances, and watching it for the the highlights, or the the key points of the film, and then sort of going into a lull during the other parts of it and then yeah tacking on that ending as well so like like you guys are both saying going back trying to find logic and it's just going to drive you crazy yeah so. let's not do that i mean if anything <laughs> watch this movie for all the different kinds of fiats you see on the street because there are some beauties in this movie dude the yeah. the clothes the cars oh my god it's just like if you get off on this shit this movie has plenty 
and there's fucking hot chicks in this fucking movie. So, I mean... Yep. I'm oh. writing down right now uh, for for future reference to always now pay attention to what everyone's wearing uh, for the for our future episodes. <laughs> because I will bring it up. <laughs> because apparently I'll have to talk about it at one point or another. <laughs> well, if you're putting yourself in the shoes of a seven, 1972 film goer, you're probably shoes. watching at the um, watching at the fashion level as well. So right. Yeah, the one thing I will say about uh, Miss Ward, though, um, there are, in, in my opinion, um, the apartments in that movie are way better looking than the ones in this movie. So, yes, the um, the, the apartment in that film, which has got the the green and blue and oh white my God. striped wallpaper, isn't it fucking amazing? Because like right now, my um, the the movie that we've done out of the movies that we've done the one that takes the cake for just amazingly ridiculously beautiful apartment bedroom or room or anything is in fucking bird with the crystal plumage with the green wallpaper that's all weird in the bed with the weird embossed or embossed fucking thing on it i could geek out on that all fucking day and then she's wearing like a see-through nighty it's just like jesus christ like what are you trying to do to me here so um yeah dude i will go up and down about that forever so as far as this one goes it's a fun watch and i think everyone should watch it and especially if you like edwin because it's fun and that picture of her with the motorcycle and the painted shirt like it's really nice (laughs) man spectacular and fabulous that's all you got for her nice yeah i know dude i'm like king of adjectives scrumptious like nice um but this got you speechless this segues beautifully into um the next movie we're gonna do which is eric's pick all right well i picked originally four flies on gray velvet and the main reason i know i know it's kind of one of the biggies and we have been asked to stay away from some of those but um the reason back when i picked it out it was actually the number or the highest giallo score on your website wasn't it yes, yes and it now was. it's now it's been overtaken it's been dethroned <laughs> so so i don't even know if it's worth talking about anymore no i'm i'm excited because this is <laughs> like it's weird because like during this period there's two little ugly kids that argento had and it's this and cat of nine tails that no one ever talks about yeah, it's like if anyone's talking about anything, it's Bird or Deep Red or Tenebrae, or yeah. obviously Suspiria. Suspiria, yep. And Inferno, so, but whatever. I was gonna say that's another the second criteria that I picked for wanting to do Four Flies on Grey Velvet is because I did actually see some people uh, voicing it out online uh, on Twitter and stuff that that this is a film that uh, that nobody ever wants to cover, and I was actually talking to someone who was. Um, mentioning uh, the Projection Booth podcast where they pretty much did oh, yeah. a whole Argento um, retrospective and they even talked about some of his newer films and everything but they didn't bring up Four Flies on Grey Velvet for some reason so I think I this think one it's because Four Flies was so hard to get a copy of for so long until they finally put out that DVD which is actually not a good DVD at all but um, <laughs> 
it, it's I've I've had so many bootleg copies of that, and I finally got the DVD, and the audio I think is either too slow or too fast. I can't remember which. Oh yeah. And I, en- I ended up finding like a fan edit where the guy went in, <laughs> he pulled the the audio out and and put it to the correct pacing, and then put it back in. And I think it had something to do with the difference between the the PAL the PAL version and the uh-huh. the NTSC version or something like that. But um, yeah, Four Flies is a weird Argento film because it's really good, but it's nothing like any of the other giallos, and um, it, it it definitely needs to be talked about more than it than it has been because um, people really kind of shy away from it because they don't know what to make of it because it's 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 a little uneven. Um, but if you watch it a, a few times and look for the good good points, and it, it is a good film, I'm excited. So it's definitely worthy of talking about for sure. I can't wait. I want to give us something challenging to talk about for once. Oh yeah, and then um, <laughs> so next week then I guess or two weeks we'll put up the the new contest or poll, and we could each pick a movie and put it on there and see how that goes because that was really fun. I like doing that could do a third option if chris wants to chime in with a request yeah absolutely i mean if awesome. you guys uh, if you guys are happy uh having a, a third voice on here i'm i'm more than happy to participate so oh kick ass but nice. uh, i'm certainly i certainly don't want to um infringe or, or step on anybody's toes so if, if i'm a if, if you want to keep me as a guest uh uh, you know, uh, when, and and bring in when you when you need a break from each other. That's fine. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets to be like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, we're, I we're sometimes definitely... talk a lot. So um... <laughs> I don't talk at all. <laughs> well, Eric. So um, when we do uh, four flies, you go ahead and take care of the uh, the plot. Okay. So it's not me running around getting all hyper and crazy for an hour and a half. But um, let's do you want to hit production notes on this real quick? Because I totally forgot about that. Yeah, let's just, I guess, skim through it because there is a lot of crossover here. Um, we did mention the director, I think, Giuliano Carnameo, possibly, um, as Anthony Ascott in this film, however. And this was, yeah, like we said, this was really a, something different for him. Uh, he did mostly Italian sex romps and the spaghetti westerns before they <laughs> that fad went away, so... Like couldn't Secrets really find... of a Call Girl with Edwidge. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't find too much about him being a notable Giallo director, but we do have some uh, bigger names as far as the score goes. We do have Bruno Nicolai, uh, of course, being that friend of Ennio Morricone. And then uh, the writer of this film, Ernesto Gastaldi, he wrote under a couple different pseudonyms for Bava, Fulci, uh, Freda, and Martino, as well as uh, Sergio Leone. Uh, Leone. Um, he wrote the films The Whip in the Body, The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, and The Case of the Scorpion's Tail, just to name a few uh, for Ernesto. And uh, those are some of the notes I have. I don't know if you guys have anything else you wanted to. Well, the in. producer of this is um, Luciano Martino, which is Sergio's brother, correct? That's correct. And he's yeah. the guy that was tied to Edwin. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, and he pretty much made her a star. And I am yeah. so glad she landed that dude so he could have <laughs> done that to her. But um, yeah, this movie seems kind of like a thing that the producer kind of put together just to make a vessel for his chick. And yeah. which is probably why the director is just kind of like a one off in the genre. You know? Yep. But uh, 
Yeah, go ahead. They got a couple more more people in the cast as well that, like we said, we've seen before. Uh, Annabella and Contrera, who played Sheila, that uh, we saw in Black Belly of the... Or, you know that one, Black yeah. Belly of the Tarantula. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say of the Scorpion's Tail. <laughs> Picks those up again for the fifth time. but uh, um, And then uh, the girl who played Mizar, Carla Braid, we saw in Torso. Um, she didn't have quite the prominent role in that one, but yeah, we've, we've seen a lot of these pretty ladies before, which is always nice. The chick who played um, Marilyn started off as a child actress. Her earliest credits, 1949, and she acted all the way up until, I believe, 2009, doing a lot of TV. Tons and tons of Italian television. So there's that. And the guy who played the commissioner... Um, Gianna Piero Albertini. Okay, yeah, he's most one. famous for dubbing Columbo in Italy. <laughs> nice, and you could see it, which is so funny because it's not it. like he was like playing Columbo; he was just doing the Italian dub for the Columbo <laughs> shit. Right. So um, that's that's just amazing. And then um, the last thing I got here is that uh, George Regard, who played Sheila's dad, um, actually died in a car accident in Spain, I believe, in the mid '80s. That's kind of sad. Oh, that is sad. Why it's do you end that, on a note like that? <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything that you would like to throw in here, Chris? No, you guys pretty much covered it. I, I think that, you know, when you talk about Ernesto Gastaldi, you, you know, he claims to be the, the, the self-appointed uh, inventor of the genre because he wrote and directed this movie called um, Libido, uh, which I've never seen. I have a really awful copy of it, and I just can't bring myself to watch it. But, um, you know, so so he's been involved in in so many of these writing uh, projects and and some uh, some other projects that are that are giallo related. So he's probably the biggest name besides obviously the two main characters in this film. Um, that when you see written by in his name, um, you kind of give some additional credibility to the story, or at least you want to until you watch it. So <laughs> That's the great thing, because there's so many names in this that would make you automatically assume that this is going to be a really good movie. You exactly. know what I'm saying? From the score to the cast, to the producer, to the writer, it's just, um, it's kind of funny that, like, they didn't have to always make good movies. This is a right. good movie, but it wasn't a great movie. It's like yeah. you put a bunch of great people together, you assume you're going to get something pretty awesome. But then again, there was that um, Rock of Ages movie, so never mind. <laughs> Theory shot down. Continue. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of all my observations about that. Right on. Well, um, on another note, um, The Girl with the Crystal Pubis shallow shallow number one is done and it will be available by the time you hear this on amazon and maybe kobo and barnes and noble and apple so um, 
If you want a review copy, anybody, or if you guys want to check it out, I will send you a copy for free. You just have to let me know. So you could email me at creeperson at gmail.com or go to the uh, Zhao Chow Chow Facebook group and just say, yeah, give me one of Dems. And I will send it to you for nothing. Awesome. So yeah, that was a fuck lot of fun to write. So I can't wait to do more of them. That was Can I read times. it on the bus or out in public? Totally. You might <laughs> want to keep your hand out of your pants when you're doing it. <laughs> chapter 12 and chapter 18 are pretty skeezy. Okay. <laughs> you might want to turn the brightness down on your iPad there, buddy, when you're hitting those chapters. But yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, I guess that's it. So um, unless there's anything else, thank you, Chris, so much for being yeah, a part nice. of this. This was fun. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate uh, finding um, people as degenerate as I am to talk about these films. Um, because uh, I, I live a sheltered life being a fan of Giallo, and everyone you know in my circle is like, a, 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 what is it? What are you watching again? So, Jolly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it's great. So I had a great time. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Well, we will definitely have you back again. Well, um, so I guess right now we will go ahead and play the trailer well, for our next feature, unless Eric wants to step on my sack again. <laughs> I just wanted to say, you know, I don't know if we do this often enough, but I wanted to tell everyone else out there that we're uh, always looking for uh, contributions or pe people's feedback. If you guys won't have any suggestions for films you want to watch, or if you even want a guest on the show like Chris did today. Uh, we would love to hear what you all have to say, um, and yeah, keep that keep that fun going in the group there on Facebook. I think we're having some fun there. That's all I really wanted to say, Creep. Sorry for stepping on you. No, it's again. okay. It's okay to thank people. I really yeah. do thank you guys. You guys spent a long time with us today, and that's <laughs> commendable because I had a lot of coffee. Right. <laughs> There's no Google Analytics for how long people stay on a podcast for. Oh, my God. Right? Get on oh, that, great. Google. <clears throat> iTunes has that shit. They have that think, stuff secret. I think Stitcher has it, and I've, I've looked for my other show, and I've seen, I think, average time that people listen is about nine minutes. So it's, I think it's up from about five earlier this month, so that's cool. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay, so as long as people are listening to this for eight minutes, we're good. That's right. We got as far as the introductions and what did you do this week. Yeah. Yep. And me, like, that's all they really care about. Yeah. But they're like, fuck, dude, what did Eric do this week? Quick, put on Jello Chow Chow. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. Did some snow blowing. <laughs> so, um,. In two weeks, we'll be back, and Eric will have just shoveled his driveway again, hopefully. And no. um, I'll be ready to talk about people's uh, fashion wear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, here is the trailer for our next feature, Four Flies on Gray Velvet. So until next time, everybody, ciao, ciao. Goodbye. Ciao, ciao. Oh, ciao, God ciao. damn it, Eric. <laughs> You stepped ciao, on ciao. Chris's balls and you fucked up the end. Okay. Take <laughs> <laughs> two. Okay. So thanks, everybody. Take care. Ciao, ciao.
Ciao. Ciao.